Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Everybody, it's Wednesday, January 23rd, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Mr. Bob Ryer. Guten Tag. And of course, Stephanie Cook. Aloha. All right, guys, uh, we are back for another podcast. Um, we are going to be talking about our books of the week, and we're going to be doing a listener feedback show. We got lots of awesome questions um, from you guys, and we can't wait to get to them. Also, so you guys know, um, on Friday we have an interview uh, with Thomas Zoller, the uh, creator of Love and Capes, which we've talked about many times on this show. And then on Monday you're going to get an interview with uh, Curtis Weeb, uh, returning guest, uh, author of Green Wake, Peter Panzerfaust, etc. Grim Leaper. Yeah. Debris. So uh, we have that coming up for you guys too, so some extra treats for you guys this week. Um, But starting off right now... uh, Let's do a little book of the week action. A lot of books came out last week. A lot of mm. really uh, great books. I do want to start really quick because I don't think any of the uh, the death of the family stuff is anybody's selected book of the week to talk about, right? Nope. No. Okay. So I do want to talk about it, though because it was a rather big uh, Batman time that, that happened. Um, the Obviously, the main thrust is Batman 16, uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo uh, with Batman in the asylum. Joker sick over the asylum. Um, it it seems to me like the death in the family. You know that first issue hit. We're like, wow, that's really kind of crazy and messed up. And at Comic Con, Greg Capullo said, "You guys have not even begun to see how messed up it's going to get." And this issue is one of these things where you don't want to read it late at night, right before you go to bed. You know when the lights are going to be off. There's some really disturbing stuff. Um, the Joker completely unhinged, um, and Scott Snyder obviously hates horses, which is kind of like <laughs> been a Twitter meme because there's been there's several horse death in 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 this issue. Um, Steve, what did you think of Batman Sixteen? Uh, it's kind of hard to talk about it without spoiling the the end. Um, what did I think of it? I'm I'm almost afraid to read Seventeen. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't know, I don't know what's gonna happen. I, I was discussing this uh, with a couple of friends that all the death in the family issues that came out this past week between Batgirl and Batman and Robin and Batman, they all had more or less the same final page. Yes. And my question is, is is it the same thing mm-hmm. in every? I'm trying to be very vague here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it the same thing in every panel, or is it one per? Character, I think it's the same thing. That's yeah, because I just yeah. different artists draw it differently, yes. so on and so forth. So you think it's one thing? Yeah, I think it's all converging on one uh, moment because all the end issues say to be concluded in Batman Seventeen, right? 
So they're all going to be gathered and yeah. That's well, it's going to be the the I think the, the death of the family. Um, all right. So I, I I will say this. I think that you know you look at the art in this book and you look at the Joker's face and if you go back and look at the first issue of Death in the Family, it's noticeably a little bit more like discolored. You know, there's these there's flies all around him. Yeah. You know, it, and it's this crazy cat and mouse game where. You know, there's this great voiceover throughout the book where Bruce is talking to himself and trying to keep himself, you know, Batman basically, keep himself in line, keep himself from not going crazy. And he, uh, and you don't know, you know, he believes one thing about about the Joker's preparedness, but you're not really sure if the Joker isn't prepared for him to be there or is because he acts like sometimes he isn't, but that feels like he's putting something on. You know what I mean? Um, and I know I'm not going to spoil anything because you know there's obviously a lot going on here, and I don't uh, and people should be reading it um, if they're in, into Batman at all. But you know, it's really dark, and we say dark a lot, but it doesn't feel to it feels to me like this is progressed naturally to this point from where he started this story. Um, and so I'm excited, really excited to see how it breaks into this next finale next week. Mm. Yeah, we sort of need to see. Who- where the damage is. Yeah. It's been hinted at all sorts of characters mm-hmm. having not nice endings. Yeah. Uh, you have the other rogues around too. We don't know how yeah. that's going to play itself. Hey, those are characters not used to being second fiddle. Yeah. And I do feel like in all of these books that all the artists, Greg Capullo, Jock, uh, Ed Bennis, Patrick Gleason, you know, throughout the books, it's like a contest between them. Who can draw the most disturbing Joker? <laughs> You know, um, I we also oh, let's talk real quick. Batgirl sixteen, what excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a. I was saying off the air. I am a little annoyed. I now have to buy Batman seventeen mm-hmm. uh, to get to an end of an issue, and then we're still not going to know as we uh, what'll happen. New new writers. Where's the follow up going to be? Just on that particular mm-hmm. storyline. Yeah. But that one had a huge twist in it that I didn't see coming. Yeah. I thought one thing was definitely going to happen, mm-hmm. and no, that was wrong. Thank you, Gail. Yeah. Uh, and I got to tell you what. Sorry, go ahead. Theory about like what's going to happen with Batgirl, but and the Joker specifically. But I don't know if it's too spoilery to kind of just come in and say it or not. But it might be a little too spoilery. People haven't been keeping up. I just there's been so many events that's happened in the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months. I just uh, feel like, I'll, I'll, without spoiling anything, I feel mm-hmm. like uh, Barbara's character is being pushed more than any other character because she has that really horrible history with the Joker. I mean, mm-hmm. he crippled her. Yeah. Um, and. I feel like uh, for her to get over it, she really needs to face the Joker. And I have a feeling that's going to be a big part of the next issue. And, you know, she might take that to an extreme. I agree. agree. There have been some panels here where they're showing her agonizing over. Mm -hmm. Can I take where she's had the Joker position where she could have done something? Yeah. Can I and still be a hero Mm -hmm. if I shoot him through the head? Well, I also believe that I, I I don't remember the exact context of the tweet that Gail Simone posted, but I feel like I remember something where she said that Barbara will do something very out of character for her. Mm. So um, I'm, I'm a little like, what's going to happen? Well, that, depending <laughs> on how far back that tweet was, there is a panel where in the midst of this, where she's dealing with her mother being the Joker's hostage, Yeah, where she... Uh, she makes a decision that doesn't seem like something that mm-hmm. Batgirl would do. Oh, I think this one is something that's referencing future. Okay. Something. No, because there's that moment she does something seems really out of character 
and while she's doing it, weeps yeah. over yeah. what she has to do, um, which heroes don't you don't see that. No, much. you don't see that a lot. What I think is, does anybody know where any of the stories are going after this? Do we know what's the next? We don't. Batman they, arc? They've kept a very tight lid. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I'd say. Yeah. Except Scott Snyder has said that the next story is just going to be a short two, I think two issue, like mini story and to kind of get away from the big, huge stories before he goes and breaks into his next big arc that he's going to do. Truthfully, like I don't really like this uh, Joker stuff comparatively to the first uh, couple of arcs of Batman. The Court of the Owl stuff. Yeah. Like I just feel, I mean, this is very classic rogues kind of stuff. And I mean, Obviously, Scott Snyder can't be pumping out fresh original like rogues all the time to be adding into the Batman continuity. Um, but I don't know. There was something really refreshing about reading something different in that universe. And it made it really drew me back into that world. And I feel like we're backtracing to that whole. Ah, all right. The Joker's going to go to Arkham. He's going to break out. And then the Joker's going to go to Arkham. And then he's going to break out, but we which I'm sure is that. not going to be the case. But still. there's a little bit more than that on the line, though. Yeah, with with, with totally, this arc, totally. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I don't and, know, I don't know, you don't know if the Joker's going to live through this. You don't. I mean, someone's going to die. Someone's probably already dead. Yeah, totally. So, like I'm, I'm not. I'm. It was being. I was being a little more general than mm-hmm. that, but I mean, mm. it was nice with like the fresh characters as opposed to, I mean the Joker being probably the most iconic Batman villain. So, yeah. I don't know. It's a nice take on it because, I mean, the Joker can be a really tedious character or he can be a really just evil. And I, I don't know. He's Scott Snyder does a really good job at bringing him to life in this, like, crazy, maniacal madman kind mm-hmm. of uh, way. But, yeah, I, I don't think it as much as the first two arcs. I agree. I did think Court of Owls is better. I loved having the whole idea of a secret history of Gotham mm-hmm. that we didn't know, the political intrigue to that, and mm-hmm. that, that that issue in the maze is still yeah. one of my favorites of the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, but the real problem comes, I think, every writer, every writer who's got a great run, wants to do his Joker story, his Doctor Doom, his yeah. Doc Ock story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to give that a guy who's doing this kind of work, okay, here's, yeah. here's your rope, do it. Go take yeah. us somewhere with it. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely agree. And I think that, you know, there was something m- more fresh feeling, obviously, about the Court of Allison because it was a new a new villain. Um, I, I am really loving the Death in the Family stuff, and I love his take on the Joker. But I do, I think when I look back, whenever this run is over of Scott Snyder's, I do believe that I will look back on Court of Owls a little more fondly than this, just because it was going into new territory mm-hmm. and doing something different. I'm sure with this being, like, an event for... Uh the DC universe that it's going to be something that'll be remembered for years to come. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking, you know, iconic stories as opposed to just, you know, big ones, mm-hmm. I think Scott Snyder's like mark on history and comics will be the court of owls. Uh, no, and I agree with you. And I, 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 it's, I think it's interesting too, that like, about you know, how dark Scott's going and he, he does a lot of really weird stuff. I mean, that, the, that thing with like the tapestry is unbelievably mm-hmm. gruesome, yep. you know. Um, and I don't want to spoil it, but you know, for those who read it, you'll know what we talking yes, about. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but Gail Simone is is being just as brutal as Scott Snyder is, just in a different way, you know. And in, in some ways, it's more personal. Yeah, it is more personal, and that's part of it. You know, she's there's like something very raw about you know what 
what Gail Simone is doing. Scott Snyder's thing is very kind of it's grandiose and it's macabre and and you know and it's twisted in kind of this epic way. But Gail's is so it's such a little personal thing. Like Barbara's basically been in the same place for four issues or whatever you whatever you have you. But it, it's still so affecting, and the way she's really I mean. She's really put the pedal to the metal as far as putting Barbara through the ringer and really kind of giving you a really creepy story to delve into. Um, and I love the way they're using uh, the other character, the twist that you're talking yeah. about. I love the way you're, they're using him. Uh, well, I sorry, I know you want to move on, but just like I think Gail Simone has done a really good job of researching Batgirl as a character. I mean, um, she actually has a clinical psychologist working with her to develop the character. Oh, and wow, I didn't know that. She's, she appears in um, the issue. That's her. Yeah, she appears yeah. in the issue. Oh. Uh, Andrea, she's a Arkham Asylum doc on Twitter, and she is a genius. She's absolutely wonderful, and she uh, makes an appearance in the comic as Barbara's psychologist, and mm-hmm. that's more or less what she is in real life, too. So Gail Simone's done a lot of research to make sure she's writing the character, Um in the right mind frame that she would be in if this was to happen to a real person. Well, that's great. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. And we talked a lot about the other two books. I don't want to sell Batman and Robin short because it was really, really good. Mm-hmm. And some really also emotional stuff with the, the father, son, and Damien fighting against being, you know, is he more of a Wayne or is he more of an Al Ghul? There's a, a lot of good stuff in that issue. So, and gr- gruesome looking Joker, really, really <laughs> scary looking Joker. Uh, so let's move on from the Batman stuff. Uh, Stephanie, what was your book of the week this week? Um, well, I kind of just wanted to talk about a couple things in general. I read okay. a lot, and my really good books of the week, I'll just sort of put those out there before diving into other things, okay. um, are obviously like some of the ones I've talked about before. Revival number six, mm-hmm. obviously that is just going places that I love. Mm-hmm. I Again, if you aren't reading it, you need to be. It's so well done. Um, Saga number nine also continuing to get better and better with every issue um and x factor number 250 which i'm sure bob would happily chime in on but. yeah i love that one yeah yeah i read it i picked it up i mean i obviously i read the breaking points arc and mm-hmm. really liked it and this was kind of heralded as a as a good jumping on point for people in the beginning of a new story um i will say that i i feel like it's not the greatest jumping on point i i feel as if it because the yeah. first half of the issue is more ending something and then midway through the issue, he starts something new. Um, and by the end of the issue, you know, I knew enough about the characters because I had read smattering of X-Factor issues here and there. So I was able to kind of figure it out. And, and I, it was very entertaining. I do feel like, you know, and this is not, that's not, this is not Peter David's fault. This is the way the book was marketed, right. you know. Uh, people who are looking to grab onto it to start reading the series that they may, they've started to hear a lot about might be a little bit off-put just because it, it is... You know, it starts off boots to the ground, go. You know, immediately, and that can be a little tough sometimes. But it's a great issue. Yeah, I yeah. someone sent me an email, and I said to them, Look, "Really start at breaking points, but if you really want the full effect of this, you have to go back to about issue two thirty. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's where I have. I have issue two thirty. I'm going to start reading up from yeah. there. You're, you'll be in good shape. Yeah, that's around the 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 Madrox keeps yeah, dying yeah. time, right? Yeah, okay. Um, okay. but yeah, I, as a completely unrelated note, I just love. I mean, I love the book, and this is related to x-factor but i hate the new costume that they've put polaris in yeah i hate it i hate it that is my only gripe with x-factor right now well by the way on topic but off topic i spoke to peter's wife kathleen this week and peter is 
He's already dictated scripts up to issue 253. All right. He took a road trip to a comic book store and a bookstore. He's up walking on his own gingerly, mm-hmm. but a lot of progress being made. So they think he'll be home middle of next month. He updated I know he blog. canceled a couple of appearances, obviously, in, right. at Emerald City and mm-hmm. some other stuff, but that's completely understandable. Yeah, He updated his blog, though, himself. Nice. Yeah, he was like, hey, it's me. And then there was a post up there. So, um, Actually, speaking of things that I read and kind of wanted to talk about, um, I picked up two i believe they're both dc insurgent and threshold yeah threshold is definitely dc um i'm pretty sure insurgent is as well um but i i hadn't heard anything about them and just kind of saw them and was like i'll try this out Mm. and they are both a big mess yeah (laughs) i would definitely threshold which i read is threshold was poop it's a big mess (laughs) i'm so glad i didn't pick that up the other day um it's like I was like, what is going on? This is like the Hunger Games meets poop. <laughs> it's like, oh, what are you doing? And then Insurgent is so, like, it, the story's not really terrible. Like, it has potential to go somewhere. But the art is some of the most god-awful art I have ever seen in a comic book. Like, it's <laughs> terrible. Tell the us how you really a, feel. <laughs> his name's, the, the artist is Fed, Fred Rico Delosio, De, De, whatever that guy. <laughs> that guy. Anyways, I haven't watched a name in a while. Federico Delosio. Thank that you. That sounds good. Thank you. Um. Anyways, his line art isn't terrible. Actually, that's not true. Some of it is really terrible. There's like this one where he even manages to like botch someone's boob. It looks like someone has attached a banana to her like chest. Nice. Wow. And I'm like, what is going on? I love but anyways, boob. it's unforgivable to botch a boob. Unforgivable. <laughs> but I mean, that's not even his like the line art isn't even so terrible, but it looks like he col- he colors the book as well. And it looks like he colored it in like Microsoft Paint. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing, buddy? Have you ever heard of shading highlights? Anyone? No, no, you're fired. <laughs> Don't knock the paint can filler. <laughs> I'm sure, like, it's only a six-issue run, and I'm sure he's probably just going to be the artist for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I would read this book if the art didn't assault my eyes. <laughs> wow. It um, is so bad. Yeah, well, bring it just back to Threshold. I wasn't going to bring it up. I did read it as well. It's Keith Giffen is the writer mm-hmm. on it, and it's interstellar galactic book, and they're, they're trying to open up, I think, the DCU a little bit more now in the New 52, beyond just, like, the Green Lantern universe as far as the interstellar stuff. And um, it's it's a bizarre it's a bizarre way to start out a series. Well, if you're talking Keith Giffen, you're talking bizarre. Yeah, and it's weird. And, um, you know, they're, the characters look a little bit too alike, and they switched characters at some point, and I was not sure they had switched characters because they were—they're oh. just a little too close. Am I, Stephanie? Do you have that yeah, same feeling? Really, I actually yeah. had to read that page like three times. I'm like, yeah. what just happened? Isn't yeah. that the same person from what? Yeah, yeah, me what? too. Where me too. did Jedaya go? Jedaya, <laughs> Jedaya. I wonder if Mr. Giffen thought the same thing when he got the art back. Maybe. Wait yeah. a minute, what just happened and to that my might characters? Be, that might be an art problem because yeah. I, I think there are a couple of uh, interesting ideas going on i don't um, think it's just an art problem i mean don't there's problems with the story don't get me wrong mm-hmm. but i there are some things that i i feel like my confusion of what was happening took away from any enjoyment i could have gleaned from the story because 
and I think the art and the story just did not handshake well, well at all. Well, the dialogue was really choppy and all over the place. I I just got this vibe from it that it was put together really quickly and not very much thought was put into it. They just kind of wanted to expand the universe to kind of maybe uh, get something out there to counteract the titles that are getting canceled. And they were like, mm-hmm. let's do this. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't work. Like the art isn't completely terrible, but it is a bit strange. Like the faces are weird. It's yeah. kind of like heads are too big for the bodies. Yeah. It, there's a little, there's some bizarreness to it. I did like the backup story. Well, actually. Really? Cause that was like bad. my least favorite. Part. Oh really? I think <laughs> I that I like that, that character. Was- so I hated that even more than I hated the other, like the rest of it. Oh, really? I, I enjoyed it. It's ridiculous. It's Lara Flea's, you know, the, the orange lantern, the oh. lantern of avarice. Um, and it's a story about him. Uh, and I, I liked it. I, I like his character. He's a ridiculous character, but I I, I liked. I, I liked, liked the there. little guy he kidnapped who yeah. was kind of really indirectly like passive aggressive. Yeah. The guy who was writing the book of Lara Flea's. Yeah. yeah. He's like, wouldn't you rather do it this way? And he's like, yeah. no, why? What? <laughs> yeah. Huh? It's an God. unforgiven moment. Yeah. Did Giffen do the second feature as well? He did. He did both. He wrote both of them. Um, and he was, like he was... Oh, sorry. Sorry, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I did like Threshold, like, to an extent. It just wasn't very well executed. It was not well executed at all. It's a, it's a bad execution. Like, I had to... I stopped and started reading it about three times because I, I couldn't get into Ugh. it. You know? I, I was, it, Same. So it just felt daunting to get into. Um I had to justify it to myself. I'm like, why did I get this? Like 12 <laughs> times. Why? Why? Yeah, overall, not a, not a very good first effort from that book. Not something that I'll be picking up an issue two of. Um, you know, that's the only thing. It's that kind of book where if in a couple of months the trade comes out and it's everyone's like, it got really good or, you know, it's right, and I'll you know check out a trade. Sure. But definitely not a book that I'm going to be Be willing to mo- check out, like, Insurgent more. Even, you, though, well, no, even actually, though you hated the I, art? No, you hated that. that. Yeah. Just give up on both those books, Stephanie. You're done with those books. No, yeah, we're done with those. Okay. I did read like Justice League Dark one through six, so that was interesting. That's a cool. Then I had to stop because it said, "Go read I Vampire Uh, number six and then come back." And I didn't. Of course, I have every issue of I Vampire except for number six. (laughs) Yeah, I think like it's a couple issues they're intertwined. uh, The stories. Yes. So I was like, well, the Vampire Wars. Yeah, the Vampire Wars. Yep. So, so that. yeah, Justice, Justice League Dark is the first six issues are good, but also very confusing. They're, they're, yes. It's very weird. Um, I'm under the impression they would already be a team and then no. they're just like this no. assortment of misfit yeah. deviant. Yes. <laughs> they don't really become a team until the Lemire stuff starts happening when he takes over the book. They become more of a like like they go on missions. They have like a, a centralized force. You know, so um, yeah, like I felt really weird about the book too because some of the characters I wasn't entirely familiar with, and they don't really give you a lot to go on. Like no. I didn't realize that. Oh, what's her name? Um, the blue-haired girl was a uh, dove until. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> issue four, and I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, cool. That's a little bit. There, there, there's some of like bizarre stuff in there, like that. Um, beautiful art though. The Mikhail yeah. Jannon art is beautiful. Got through one issue, passed. I liked it. I really under the impression Enchantress was going to be a much bigger character than covers lie, people. It's true. Just telling you, covers lie. (laughs) Uh, Maybe the covers are done first now. Maybe. Maybe. It doesn't have to represent what's inside. Here's a cover. Hmm? What were you saying, Stephanie? 
It's like, let's base a story around this cover or not. <laughs> That's how American International used to make movies. Here's one, Attack of the Crab Monsters. We'll make a poster. Okay, Roger, go make a movie. <laughs> what? How do I do that? Fine, all right, I'll make giant crabs. Who cares? <laughs> I've got a, a smattering of books, just as Stephanie kind of ran through some stuff. Um, mine does not end with a, a poop book, but with my favorite book. Uh, so really quick, uh, Daredevil 22... The only reason I'm talking about it as of note here is just because it involves Superior Spider-Man, and uh, I feel like Wade handles that better than either Slot or Yost in any of those books has handled that character uh, so far. It's also interesting because Matt Murdock is the first, you know, character to be like, something's wrong, you know. He would know. He's like, something's wrong here. He's like, everything matches up, his heart rate's the same, everything, but there's something different going on here. Um, really good issue and really funny issue. But then the last page is like a gut punch of emotion. So, uh, but you know, continuing to be great. Um, all new X Men got a new artist for a couple of uh, issues. David Marquez, who yeah was the regular artist on a, um Ultimate Spider Man for a while. I gotta tell you, I really enjoyed that issue. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I loved it's it. It's been my favorite of the ones that have come out so mm-hmm. far. It's. I'm um, I'm now interested. I mean, I was kind of reading along just to know what all the aftermath of the AVX stuff mm-hmm. was going to be, but with that issue in particular, they finally kind of got me on board, and I am I am excited about the series. There's just some really great scenes. There's the scene with Jean and Kitty Pride when Jean's the first time she hears people's thoughts, and Kitty kind of um, calming her down, and there the the way it's laid out and what's being said is just is all really well done. You know. You you have like you know the 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 panel is crowded full of word balloons because it's what Jean's hearing and right in the middle you get what Kitty's trying to say to her you know um, it's much like this Harbinger cover that Steve just showed me yeah yes. uh, and really great stuff I I love the stuff between Scott and Logan in this issue it's kind of like the inverse of actually the first X Men movie Scott steals the bike in this issue oh. and Logan goes after him. Um, and we finally, uh, Warren finally kind of gets some play here with the, the modern Warren. So uh, really, really good stuff. Um, this is mu- this is only focused on the uh, you know the the good X Men side of things. You know this is this is the this is the Jean Grey school uh, side of things. There's not there's nothing from um, uh, you know the the Scott Summers side of things except. We do get a new, a character who hasn't been in the series yet pops up at the end uh, of this of the issue, and don't know what that's going to mean. But uh, I I think it's been my favorite issue so far. Uh, I enjoyed the exchange at the end. I yeah, thought it was I thought it was really well done. Yeah, very very well done. Um, and uh, another big uh a book that I liked uh Marvel Now book number one uh, Savage Wolverine. Yeah, I read that. Which I kind of bought just to read it. Like, I didn't really expect to have any major connection to it. I was much more interested in the upcoming Paul Cornell, Alan Davis, Mm -hmm. um, Wolverine book. But I got to say, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, the amount of books that have X-Men in them or involve Wolverine because there's a lot of them in both those scenarios. It's nice that this book is very, very closed off from the rest of that universe. He's literally stuck on an island and it's just about him 
you know, teaming up with Shanna. Shanna the She-Devil. Shanna the She-Devil uh, and trying to escape. And I love the simplicity of it. I, I love the art. I, I think it's 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 pretty beautiful. And, you know, I like the action too. I like the way that Shanna, I mentioned my review how it's a little off-putting because the first thing you see is this, this you know, shield cruiser full of men dressed in shield attire. And then this woman basically in a bikini, you mm-hmm. know. And it's a little bit bizarre and I was put off by it at first. But as you read along, you know, uh, Shanna's a tough-as-nails character who is smart and able and also very sensitive. You know, has you know she talks about her, her I guess it's her husband or her boyfriend that's at home and her, you know, her, her pet. It's Kazar. Yeah, K- and, oh, and, yeah, oh, that's okay. her husband. All right, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and all that stuff was really great. And plus, you know, she gets to jump on Wolverine. You know, Wolverine kind of <laughs> interrupts her when she's she's got these creatures just where you know she wants them and i like it because it incorporates her kind of interior monologue as well as wolverine so you don't it doesn't seem like wolverine's saving her it seems like she had it under control and now wolverine just messed up her her stuff um Mm -hmm. he's messing up her shit he's messing up her shit he is and it's also got a good humor to it as well um i enjoyed it too actually did you stephanie (laughs) did you did you i was like i was giving you the to to talk about it i you know i could just be like it was poop but it wasn't, right? You now have the talking fun. stick, I don't think Steph. it's great. I think it's fun, though. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Don't be wrong. It's not It's not huge epic storytelling, but I like the fact that it's this contained like burst of Wolverine action. And I like the... I, I forgot who it's... Somebody on Twitter was making a joke about... I think it might have been Alan Kistler. There's, there's like a Wolverine core, because in every book, he's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, and so in each book, he's like another member of the Wolverine Corps. Bob, what did you think of it? Well, I knew that Frank Cho had done a Shanna before, mm-hmm. so I, I have to say, I didn't buy this yet. I did mm-hmm. read it in the store. I found it interesting. I that same panel that hit you hit me as strange, like oh, yeah. but that is what he does. But right. Once you get into her character, mm-hmm. yeah, she, she's a staple. I mean, she like she and Kazar ran the Savage Land, mm-hmm. dinosaurs and saber tooth tigers and various aliens and monsters or whatever. Very capable woman. Yeah. And I love, you know, the kind of, I love the pot boiler, pulpy nature of it. His voiceover is very, you know, she walked in my office and yeah, her legs yes. went all the Film way up. Walk, you right, know, yeah. like, and I love that about it. I love it. It's, and it's definitely his voice. It's his gruff, you know, very Wolverine voice. And uh, I, I love, you know, I love his comments, how he hates me in the, the Savage Land, you know. And, <laughs> you I know. I his. Sorry, go ahead, Stephanie. I can smell him. Yeah, yeah. And then I could hear, I could hear Wolverine in X Men: The Animated Series, and then he's like, "No, her." Yeah. Oh, so great. It was really, and I, I loved that stuff about it. And um, it's a really, it's a brutal book. It is a savage book. There's a lot of blood, but because it's so stylish, I don't think it feels overdone. Uh, and I, I, there was one little joke in it that I love that made me think of you immediately. And it's Wolverine put something in the pouch on his belt. And she goes, oh, I thought this pouch was just for show. Yeah, there you go. And I, yeah. I, I thought it was great. I thought of you immediately. <laughs> I w- did too, with that, enough. With, with that moment. Um, you know, I, I can see why people didn't maybe didn't pick it up because it, you know, there's a lot of Wolverine books out there. There's a lot of X books. There's another Wolverine book coming. But if you are a really big fan of Wolverine, I think it's a, a good book to pick up and to check out. But between oh, sorry, no, Stephanie, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like you guys were reading the Deadpool series because it was a lot of fun. But for mm. me, between Deadpool and this, if you're gonna read like a silly kind of fun story, I would rather read this. Interesting. Well, why do you feel that way about it? Um, I mean, it's not as like 
comical, I guess, mm-hmm. as Deadpool. But I just feel like this one has more of a just relaxed, enjoy the story. There's something, there's substance to it mm-hmm. uh, while not kind of taking itself too seriously. Um, so it just gave okay. me a little bit more that I felt that Deadpool wasn't. Right. I just felt Deadpool was literally comic relief from like everything else out there. And it was just joke after joke after joke. And I just like the mix of things with uh, mm-hmm. Savage Wolverine. Yeah, absolutely. I guess um, you're Savage Wolverine to me, like where, it, where I agree with what Stephanie said about Deadpool feeling joke after joke. Uh, kind of like a punchline book because that's ex- essentially what it is. Absolutely, yeah. That's his character. That's what Absolutely. he's built on. Um, Savage Wolverine felt more like a buddy comedy mm-hmm. to me, yeah. in a way with with high action. Yeah, and um, the I thought the, the the art was everybody was telling me Frank Cho they're like, have you ever seen him draw women? She's gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> um, and just the the lush environments and everything and the. The whole tone of the of Wolverine in this story, almost like a noir Wolverine. Yeah. A little bit. Um, it's got a lot of little tiny things about it that add up to a really good book mm-hmm. for a first issue. It was very, very good. And I'm, I'm definitely going to be uh, picking up the next one. Yeah. There was a moment, too. I, I liked the, the way that he did lighting at night. There's the moments where Wolverine sees the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent kind of captured. Mm-hmm. And the expression on his face and the way the lighting, it was just very cinematic and, and very visually arresting uh, to me. Um, the thing about Wolf, Savage Wolverine is it's very much it's action. It's an action book with comedy. Where in Deadpool is a comedy book that happens to have action in it. You know it, that's really the difference. And the main character obviously is a big driving force. Wolverine is a quiet, you know, gruff character. And Deadpool is there's nothing quiet or reserved about Deadpool. It's just it's all out front and center in front of your face. Um, but the, my book of the week is uh, New Avengers yeah. number two. I like New Avengers number one a lot, uh, and I think I said you know it, it's still it's very it's a lot to handle. You know, there's there's obviously a lot of stuff coming, and as a first issue, it didn't it didn't completely flow to me. This issue too, you know, there's about five pages that are just charts, <laughs> yep. uh, but they're really interesting. And we talked about this kind of when the massive came out, right? How, how I'm just really I really love really great exposition that tells you a really deep story and there's a lot of that here um it's interesting how much it kind of feels like crisis on infinite earths you know in some ways you know that's it's not exactly the same thing obviously there's not uh but there is that idea of these earths getting destroyed and having to make tough choices and there's probably there's something behind what's going on here i thought was all really great um there's there's a scene between the Black Panther and Namor that is j- just you know there's all this big crazy stuff happening but that scene is so personal and, and full of so much tension it, it, it was standout yeah. scene to me in a book that I think was standout scenes back to back to back to back uh, love that stuff the interrogation read with the Black Swan and you know that thing that's obviously going to become a writing factor, you know, it it takes away your dignity. It takes whatever good you have left. You know, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But this great line and, um, you know, the meet, the Illuminati meetings. And I love the way that it's, it's like, it's like blackness. All around them is just blackness. And it's just them kind of popping out of this black, you know. Mm-hmm. It feels so shadowy and so secret and like they're making these horrible decisions that they shouldn't have to make. Um, and I love the way their personalities clash with each other. There's great Captain America moment at the end, you know, where he basically stands up for what everything Captain America is. Uh, but I love it because 
all these other characters do what they would do too, you know? You know, Cap stands his ground, but there's still other stuff going on in the background, you know? And I, I was blown away by how involved it was and, you know, how much it made me just so excited for the next, you know, five years or whatever is going to yeah, happen. It'll be a long time. You know? Uh, but just fantastic stuff. I mean, yeah, Bob, what did you no, I'm not an Illuminati fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it sort of got away from itself. as a, It was a neat concept that mm-hmm. went nowhere eventually. But here, um, adding Captain America to the mix is just brilliant because now it, the whole operation has a heart that it didn't have before. It is that character who will stand for something that no one else will. Beyond that, you have Reed Richards seeming like Reed Richards in this meeting again. He should be the smartest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. And he was not written that way in those meetings before. Right. And it's, okay, if Reed is going to be spooked by these things, mm-hmm. we should all be paying attention. Something's happening that we can't control if he can't. Right. So how do we combine forces to find the best solution, as bad as it might be, to what's going to happen here? Yeah. Um, that Namer scene is incredible. Yeah. And Black Panther just continues to prove out to be just a fucking badass character. I love yeah. the way he, that Hickman writes him. You know, that moment when he's walking out of the room with Namor and he goes, when my wants replace my needs, needs. I'm mm. going to kill you. It's like an amazing, <laughs> it's amazing, yeah. you know, it's like, and it's perfect. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. And, you know, you can feel too, you can feel the seeds of bigger things, you know, the, the, their idea for stopping what's going to come mm. is obviously going to bleed out into the Avengers and into whatever else is coming because yeah. we we already know w- where the whole universe is headed at this point and that's a very big part of that. So mm-hmm. um, I cannot wait to keep reading uh, this story um, and that's definitely my book of the week. All right, so moving on with book of the week. Steve, what do you uh, got for us? Let's see, what have I got? I'm going to run down uh, just two titles really quick before I get to my main one. Uh, Todd, the ugliest kid on earth, number one. Oh, how was that? It was good. Mm-hmm. It was very good. Uh, it was a little strange at first, a little offensive, mm-hmm. but not to me, but I, you know, <laughs> to maybe some other readers. Um, but very peculiar and not what you'd expect. The main character, the, the, what they put him through, he's like the nicest little kid. In, in the entire cast of characters, he's the nicest one, and he gets shit on the most. Aww. So you, it, it really connected me to the, to the characters. I felt like our, you know, our main character is now an underdog, and there's just some really weird, random stuff going on in this book that, that makes it very interesting. I have no idea how long this is supposed to run. I don't know if it's a limited series or what, but uh, I'm definitely on for issue number two. It was just... it was. Weird enough to make me want to know what else is going to happen. Very cool. Um, picking up from last year's uh, Luther Strode, The Legend of Luther Strode, number two, finally got around to reading that. And I've got to say, if you read volume one of the Luther Strode series, this second volume could not be going any better. Um, I was really awesome. excited for Fly uh, earlier in the year, really excited. Mm-hmm. And that's been kind of a letdown. Um, this, however, has been, it's still violent, but they kind of, they scaled it back to the point where they only, they, they do it intermittently. It's not as gushy and splashy, uh, as, as Mm -hmm. the first volume was. 
So it's it's you know broken apart a little bit. There's a really good love story going on uh, amidst all the severed limbs <laughs> and uh, you know entire legs stuffed down throats and things like that. Yeah. I want to see that as the blurb on the book when they when they print the trip. Not so gushy and splashy and not as many severed limbs. There's a romance. Justin really, Jordan is a busy man right now. Yeah, it's really it's cool. It's um he's really created a really good main character. Luther is uh, he is very imposing mm-hmm. and very scary. And the way that he moves in the comic is highly visual that I, it's almost like, uh, the raid that, that movie, the raid of redemption. Oh, I just watched that. That's so awesome. Wasn't it awesome? (laughs) So many ninjas. So many, so much stabbing. Lots of, lots of stabbing. Stabbing in the neck specifically. Yes. There was a lot of neck stabbing. Yes. Fountain neck. I didn't mean to get so excited about neck stabbing. People weren't dying. It was awesome. There was blood. You can tell hockey started again. <laughs> so know, it, it totally reminds me of the raid. But anyway, um, <laughs> so I've been paying I've been paying attention to some of the comments and some of the um, conversation going on on the website. And one of the things that uh, some people brought up was that we haven't really talked about Valiant Comics mm-hmm. at all. Uh, so I decided I went over to my friend Brennan's house, and he has been reading all of the Valiant series. And he's apparently become a very, very big fan in a very short period of time. He bought everything. He bought Archer and Armstrong. He bought Bloodshot, mm-hmm. uh, Harbinger, and uh, whatever else. Uh, Exo Manowar. Exo Manowar, yeah. There might be one more. Shadow Man. Shadow Man. That's the one. <laughs> uh, I love that so <laughs> I said to him, I said, you know, give me one of them out of all the ones that you have and, and let me check it out. So he gave me the first issue of Harbinger, and I really, really, really took to it. I really liked it. Um, it reminded me of fan fiction in a sense, uh, that it's, it's definitely hard sci-fi angle to it. Now I went ahead and I bought the trade. The trade was, uh, six issues, I believe. And it was only nine 99. That's great. Yeah. Really great. Really. And it came out like there's only two issues after that. I believe that there's one coming out today. Uh, number eight, but it was a very big, very quick turnaround and at 10 bucks to get six issues and, and, you know, push you into the series. Very fair. So the story with Harbinger is there's this, this like ancient, uh, these ancient beings, these ancient, uh, I, they're mutants essentially in my mind, but they're, uh, they're these beings called the, uh, I think they're Syots and this kid, this uh, st- I think uh, Peter Stanchek is his name. I don't have my notes in front of me because I'm an idiot. Um, he's lived with this his whole life, and it's it's your very typical telekinesis, pyrokinesis. You can hear people's thoughts. He's a whole bunch of X Men rolled into one, mm-hmm. and he's wandering the streets. He's pretty much down and out. He's been out of in and out of uh, mental hospitals because of his conditions, not knowing what to do with his powers. And in a pretty much when he's at the end of his rope, he gets approached by somebody who apparently has been doing this for like a millennia. He's been around forever and he wants to finally train him and and teach him to cope with with all these powers. You know, and of course, he's got other plans for him, but that's his way of getting him in (laughs) now. The thing with Har- Harbinger is a very strange book. I read the whole thing last night. I read from one to seven. And I do, I want to just preface this with, I do like it. Mm. I like it very much. And it's almost, I've, I've, I've been having a couple of issues with it, but I'm still intrigued and I'm still liking it. And I'm finding that it it's 
for all the things that I feel that it misses, like it misses an opportunity to to give you a good explanation for something, it makes up for it by adding another cool element to the story mm-hmm. or creating, like as, a, as you get along in the book, I'm now into the second arc, the second arc changes perspectives. So you had a character in the first arc that wasn't very interesting at all. Frankly, they were kind of annoying and pointless that now you've moved over to that character and you kind of get to see the aftermath of their events in the first arc and what was going through their mind the whole time mm-hmm. that kind of redeemed the character a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I appreciated that. The idea that it took to getting to the second arc to get that going mm-hmm. kind of bothers me. But at the same time, there was so much going on that it it was okay that it was dealt with later. Mm-hmm. It's like I said, for every problem that I have with it, it makes up for it another way. Right. Um, I love the idea. There's this one character named Faith who is a complete and total fangirl. She makes Firefly references, Joss Whedon references. She's like your ultimate fangirl. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things about her, I, I really do enjoy it. She's very overweight, um, but she's very hyper. She's very positive. She's very loving. She's uh, very, very fearless. Mm-hmm. And she has a lot of hope, and they call you, you have faith in each of us, and we we think we're nothing, but mm-hmm. you're just so excited to be a superhero and to be with us that she kind of pushes everybody through their issues and brings everyone back together. Uh, I really, really, really am enjoying her character. I think it's, it's very cool, um, a very cool character to have. So, like I was saying, there are tiny little things about the book if you're looking to get into Valiant, it's a good book to start with, I would think. But for me, you'll definitely see where for every high point, there's kind of a low or there's kind of a hitch where like, why did they wait so long to recruit this guy? Mm-hmm. If they've known if he was activated since birth, that there's this whole other society of people like him that you decided to wait this long to bring him into the fold you kind of let the guy go like, oh, we, we wanted you to get to the end of your rope because mm-hmm. you wouldn't have accepted our help before that. Right. You don't know that. <laughs> you know, like, you know, mm. you could have saved everybody a lot of trouble. <laughs> and my one last point, because I know people were probably going to wonder what my problems were, was the relationship that they build in the beginning. There's a uh, character named Joe who is uh, the best friend of the main character, Peter, who's kind of introduced at the beginning. They're going through this adventure of hopping from town to town using uh using his powers so on and so forth and just trying to stay away from these people that are trying to recruit them and something happens along along in the story that i'm supposed to i'm supposed to just accept this connection that Mm -hmm. they had where i didn't see it i was told about it but there was nothing through their actions between one another that told me i mean i knew they were friends but this insane, intense connection that kind of drives the whole second arc, or at least the main character's reason for wanting to now get involved, I felt wasn't really, didn't have a lot of meat to it. And I felt kind of cheated in that way that I'm supposed to just accept that, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I was supposed I to you. feel that way. Oh, I yeah. know you the way you want me to feel, mm-hmm. but you didn't get me there. Right. Um, but like I said, there are aspects of the book, there are cool things about it that make up for those things that I'm still reading it. Uh, when issue eight comes out today, um, I will pick it up. And if I lose interest in it again, so be it. But for now, I'm actually, I'm actually reading a Valiant book. Now, does reading Harbinger make you want to look into some of the other Valiant 
titles? I gotta say no. Okay. Uh, the only one that I might have any other interest in is Archer and Armstrong. Okay. Um, I have little to no interest in Bloodshot. I don't like the the one thing I will say about Harbinger. Uh, I I think the art's by Kari Evans. I don't really care for the artwork. Okay. It's very um the whole the whole Harbinger the whole Valiant line feels very um like local artists to me. If that makes any does that make any sense? I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, um, very rough, mm-hmm. very um, sci-fi book, like picture bookish mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It's not bad. Uh, it's just very rough, and it, it it's not it's not aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm gonna read a book this big, and for a long time, it would have been cool if they maybe spruce it up a little bit. But that's just what it is, right? You know, uh, it is kind of rough. Just like it, it, but it almost kind of matches the feel of the storytelling because, like mm-hmm. I said, it feels to me anyway, almost like in a really elaborate fan fiction. Mm -hmm. And for a fan fiction, you're not going to find top-of-the-line artwork. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to go with a friend. You're going to go with somebody that that goes along with the the Valiant, uh, I guess, signature style, because they all seem to have that a little bit. Um, But what I do appreciate about Valiant in general and what what people have told me, what Brendan told me and what the, the owner of this other comic shop have told me, is that even though the stories don't cross over yet, they still do take place within the same Valiant universe. Yeah. That knowing the big ideas that this book has had, I'd be very curious to find out how they mm-hmm. would work those other characters and those other, um, I guess, centralized worlds that they that they perform in yeah. into a one bigger one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be a little bit of a challenge, but at the same time, I think it would be fun. Like I can't imagine Harbinger or Peter coming into a bloodshot book. Um, I, yeah. I mean, th- I think that some of the crossover stuff is starting to happen actually this week. I think it actually starts yeah. to begin. Um, now this is like a revamp of a, of an older line of books, the right, the, yeah, the Jim Shooter created him after he left Marvel. So we're talking early nineties in the middle of all that original speculator stuff. Right. And so it kind of, Valiant kind of went away. And then this summer they had the summer of Valiant and they brought all these books yeah. out, you know, all the books you, you listed and yeah. Shadow Man is relatively new. Shadow Man, I think is two or three issues in at this point. Um, it's Justin Jordan, the guy who's writing, uh, uh Luther Strode. Oh yeah. Cool. It, and you know, he's writing some stuff for DC as well. So, hmm. Uh, you know the book they've gotten a lot of good press and we've like you said we've had a lot of people asking us to check them out mm-hmm. um, the, uh, one of our new writers Adam Shaw is actually current with all of them so he's doing a lot of the yeah. reviews on the site now so you, there'll be Valiant reviews on the site uh, from now on so um, but it's great that you picked it up I'm definitely looking into getting into checking out the Valiant stuff yeah I mean you can you could even borrow this one from me I mean it's it's certainly worth a read it's just I I know and I know the way that you read mm-hmm. that there's gonna be times that like and you're like you're going along with something and you know something's happening in the story and then they'll want to move on from it but the way they move on from it is by way of conversation right and it just seems like a lot of like a couple of times they were like they gave you like a piss poor excuse for drawing it to a close mm-hmm. and it was just kind of like that eh, moving on right yeah and i was kind of like oh mm-hmm. so that's how that's how you want to right okay gotcha you know but then then right on the next page there's something else there's another element added to the story to pull me back in just when i was kind of feeling cheated mm-hmm. they they throw you a curveball and you're like oh well that's really cool i want to know 
how that pans out. And you've completely forgotten that they just burned you a little bit. Right. Gotcha. Where's the editor on that one? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was actually, I'm, I'm really glad that I got into it because it was a very um, interesting read. I mean, you know, we've been doing a lot of Marvel lately mm. and I, I've kind of, you get used to the flow of certain companies to dive right in and do like a seven issue run of something I've never read before with a company I've never read before. Um, it was really cool to I, Valiant almost feels like a street uh, street level company, mm-hmm. uh, a company for the people kind of thing, <laughs> you know. Gotcha. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I I dig it. I mean, I'll I'll check out you know the next issue, uh, next couple issues. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So that's Harbinger from uh, Valiant Comics. Yeah. Uh, Bob, what about you? Okay, really quickly, another indie sort of sci-fi thing, and I did a review on this. It's The Highways, the new John Byrne from IDW. Yeah. Uh, If you love epic science fiction movies from 60s, 70s, whatever, this is that kind of thing. Lived in spaceships, seems like a real environment, real characters that you care about within just pages. Nicely done, cliffhanger, horror element to it, too. Mm-hmm. Steve, you're nodding in agreement. So it reminded me of Space Camp. Do you remember that movie? No, I don't remember that movie. In my, oh, oh, God. Kate Capshaw, right? With the little robot dude, and they all go yeah. away to Space Camp and stuff, yeah. and the simulators and the shit's happening. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I, read, I read it. I liked it. It was, um, they don't, it's one of those books that it's very tame, it's very friendly, but you get the sense that there's, you know, more than meets the eye. There's more going on. Uh, there's one character that's definitely very shady. And they throw you kind of into this, like, post-cryogenic mystery towards the, the final pages. Mm-hmm. And then in the last page, they they throw you, you know, the curveball. And uh, really great final page where it was just like, you're comfortable, you're comfortable, and then out of nowhere, you got really uncomfortable, and then bam, yeah. now you have mm-hmm. a problem. Um, really, really great first issue. Good good presentation, and um, I really enjoyed it. Oh, see, I don't even have to do anything. This is great. <laughs> I just pass it away. Now, now we'll try this one. Uh, on the not-so-good front, it's sort of half-good, Captain America number three. Okay. Um, the stuff back in the Depression, young Steve and learning how he gets to be the person who can become Captain America, all really well done. The science fiction elements sort of treading water. So we're sort of exactly where we were two issues ago. Mm. Everyone's at each other's throats and Cap's in this Dimension Z for a year. And there's a, you know, there's an ending that's been spoiled for one of us around the yeah, table here before we even see it. Yeah. Um, it's... <laughs> I'll go a couple more. I've been buying Captain America since they brought him out of the ice all those years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not. Since they thought him out as a capsicle. That's right. Yeah. Yes, the, there back, you go. back in Thank Avengers 4. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I haven't heard good things about Captain America. No, you know, I haven't I, heard anything besides what Bob's groans and moans. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm sort of getting used to the art. I'm still not thrilled with it. But now it's, it's half the story isn't working. It's mm-hmm. the. Without Cap fighting against, I know he's, he's struggling against an overwhelming force here, all the things you expect to see. There's no song. Mm-hmm. There's no, wow, here's this moment. Mm. No, he's he's sitting there painting. Mm-hmm. I is, read the first is issue true. twice, and it just didn't like it didn't resonate with me at all. Yeah. Like I don't, I, I've read it twice, word. and I don't even remember it. Mm-hmm. So. I, I like the first issue. I know I haven't, and this is 
part of the whole shipping so many books thing. Yeah. I, I have not kept up on Captain America because I've just had to kind of cut down on it for now because I'm buying so many other books. Um, but I know what the the ending was, and we're not going to talk about it. I don't mm. want to spoil it for anybody who's reading the book or wants to read the book. Now, we're just talking in very broad generalities yes. here. Does that does that big moment in the last page, does that... Do you, you think that's I think something that could ruin the book, or is it not so much that moment, but just the stuff that's been going on around it that you haven't been liking? Uh, the stuff that's going around it, I don't like either. And the yeah. ending is, it's something we haven't seen exactly that, but mm-hmm. we've seen enough things like that that okay. obviously that can't last past issue six, and we go to the trade and move right. on to something else. It's right. got to change, right? So it's it's an artificial cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. But okay. it shouldn't have been ruined for you anyway. But it's just not going anywhere yet. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, maybe I need to read through to the end of this arc, which I guess will be six, right? And see what happens. But it's on the endangered species list. All right. <laughs> which I'm sort of shocked. What isn't is Captain Marvel. I loved that issue. Um, anything with dinosaurs in, I'm on because <laughs> you know I made this joke once years and years ago and got laughed at. Well, I was a dinosaur kid and. You could have the punchline if you'd like, but uh, so yeah, superheroes fighting dinosaurs. It's very sort of 1960s, but it's a day in the life of Carol Danvers and all sorts of appointments. Things get changed. Tony Stark is being his usual snarky self. Mm-hmm. Got some great Spider-Woman stuff, uh, some great action. We get another character who I don't want to give anything away is not where you think he's going to be. And then a killer ending. Yeah. I um that's been my favorite issue of Captain Marvel in quite a while. Uh I did enjoy the stuff in between, but the the book hasn't really hit me as being particularly funny, and that's what I really enjoyed about mm-hmm. Captain Marvel when it first started out. Uh I felt like it got a little confusing in the middle with the the time travel stuff and some of the Helen Cobb stuff was great. Um but it it got it, it seemed like it didn't really hold its focus for a little bit. Well, I think what she was trying to do in terms of Kelly Sue DeConnick here was to reset what Carol's origin is or where it comes yeah. from in this, and the link to Captain Marvel, the other one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And th- yeah, it, it puts you in a different place than where we yeah. had begun. Well, I mean, I, I noticed that after reading for, you know, a little bit of a uh, year and a half or whatever, that um, anytime that there's one of those day in the life or slice life books, those are always like standout issues for me. Um, I love those kind of kick back and take a break kind of issues. Uh, I can't always be dealing with giant robots and time travel and all this stuff mm. that it's really cool to take a break. But the one thing that I want to mention, because I know it was a topic of conversation on the Internet, that a lot of people had a, a trouble with the art I love this of the art. issue. I absolutely loved Loved yeah. the art uh, in that F- issue. Philippe Andre, I'm hoping okay. I'm pronouncing okay. that yeah. reasonably Sounds correctly. Right. Um, extremely, extremely anime, but again, um, very Eon Flux in yes. a way. Um, the faces being very angular, mm-hmm. the, the eyes being very wide apart. Um, just highly, highly stylish. And just like, you know, Dexter Soy does such an amazing painterly job, um, it was really cool to see kind of a very flowy. Uh, relaxed, it's almost like a scribbly style to mm-hmm. Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed yeah. it. I thought it was cool. Stephanie, did you read Captain Marvel? Not yet. I'm a little bit behind on that right okay. now. But, um, I mean, obviously it's been a series that I've really enjoyed thus far. And mm-hmm. I'm still buying all of the issues to kind of just read at once. Gotcha. Okay. And it's a super cover, too. Yeah, it's a great cover. 
It's a, it's a great cover. Anything else? Uh, yeah, you're really quickly. For? The actual book of the week. I'll keep this as short as possible. Dark Avengers one eighty five. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Jeff Parker and Neil Edwards. Now I miss the other Thunderbolts that mm-hmm. have now gone off where they are, except for Moonstone. Carla Sofen's still around. We're in either an alternate future or an altered Earth where New York is now controlled by, well, there's Strange World, the Iron Zone. Uh, this time we meet Ben Grimm, who's been extra mutated and now runs the wreck of what, once, what was, was Central Park with the help of the Mole Man's monsters from underground because mm-hmm. he made the Mole Man a promise to look mm-hmm. after them. So he's still Ben Grimm, even though he's kind of angry. Here. That's him? Holy crap. Yeah. Um, Doctor Strange is manipulating uh, Scar, who's the son of the Hulk in this other time frame here, and Moonstone, who in, in a panel gets... She, she's been Ms. Marvel. She's now gotten turned into Captain Marvel. Okay. And her comment is, did you guys watch Vertigo too much that you're all obsessed with this woman? Why am I always dressed like this? Uh, and Strange sends them out to start war with Tony Stark by sending the monsters one way and someone in to get Ben all started. Uh, you've got two great femme fatales here in, in Moonstone and June Covington, who's doing sort of a Scarlet Witch thing. She's with Iron Man and has Hank Pym, who's been manipulated by Stark with a brain implant. He can't get Jan back from being microscopic. Well, she takes the thing out of his head, gets him sorted out. She's going to turn all these Dark Avengers back on everybody else. Mm-hmm. So it's the, it, what was the Thunderbolts when it worked? It's, it's self-serving villains who do things heroically because... They have to to get over what they want to do. Right. It's just brilliantly written. Great, great art here. If people haven't picked up Dark Avengers, good time to start. If you go back two issues from now, or two issues back rather from here, you'll start the beginning of the story arc, and you'll, I think you'll really dig it. All right. So it's Dark Avengers number 185. Right. Correct. Mm. All right. Great. So that's it for our Book of the Week segment. We're going to take a little break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to do your listener questions. We are back, and we are here to do another listener feedback show. We put out the call for questions, and we got a lot. Um, if you guys, you know, didn't see it, you know, at Talking Comics on Twitter and at our Facebook page, facebook.com/talkingcomics, uh, we put up a post about asking for questions, and a lot of people answered. Um, we do this pretty much every once or once a month or once every two months. We do a show like this. So, if you guys are interested in your question answered, check out those places. Um, uh, to get your you know your voice heard on the show, uh, but Stephanie, why don't you hit us with the the first question? Yeah. So um, before we get into our first kind of lengthy question, which I thought we would start things off with, um, we had a question from Brandon Boone who said, "Love the show, but I want to know what you guys think uh, the Joker has on his plate." Uh, so we just kind of answered that in the first half, but I kind of wanted to let you know that we got your question, and I probably should have tied it into when we were talking about Batman. So, uh, you know, you probably figured out that 
Yeah, yeah, I think we if we were gonna discuss that, that would be an after show. Yeah, we don't we don't want to get too. The problem with those kind of theories, and the problem I I, sometimes I don't like gesturing out those theories is I'm I'm not speaking with any insider information, mm-hmm. but I kind of don't want to be right. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to yeah. say something that's like, and I get it exactly right. Ho- however, or any of us gets exactly right. However crazy that would be, and then you know we've kind of you kind of ruin it for people who are listening because they read and they go, and then they feel all of a sudden like let down because they've mm-hmm. heard that answer before, and th- that makes it less fun. I think. You yeah, know? the guy well, in the podcast said it was a can of anchovies, and there they are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Or the smiling joker fish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> These are great questions, but it's another thing, too, where we can always answer them via email or on Facebook or something. Yeah. And we yeah. just have a discussion with you. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Contact us directly. If you want to yeah. go into more in depth past what we kind of vaguely talked about um, in the first half, I mean, we're mm-hmm. always willing to discuss it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We do like email. <laughs> we do. All right. Mm. So, what's up? So- what's up next, Stephanie? So, uh, Ross Carter on Twitter, he wanted to talk about something that. We mentioned, I believe, last week or the week before, mm-hmm. and he wanted to know what our dream casting would be for Guillermo del Toro's Justice League Dark movie. Oh, just saying um, it makes me all happy. So <laughs> we were going to do a whole kind of show about this, but um, we we like answering your questions, mm-hmm. so we decided to take it upon ourselves to try and answer it here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and just so you know, we, we kind of we kind of use the cast list that he talked about in his. And when he's talking about it, so we're doing Constantine, Dead Man, the Spectre, Swamp Thing, Zatanna, and the Demon. Those are those are the characters we're doing. Um, all right, so Constantine, I'll start first. This was a really tough one, and I, you know, I went through a lot of things in my mm-hmm. head. Um, I settled on uh, Daniel Craig for for Constantine. Oh, I could dig that. I think it'd be pretty cool. I mean, he he might be a little bit too angry <laughs> to be Constantine, but. He definitely has the right look, the right attitude, you know, the right accent. So I think that uh, I, it'd, be, it'd be a pretty good one. Um, Steve, what do you got for Constantine? Mine's horrible. What is it? <laughs> My first, I wrote three things down. Okay. I wrote down Ryan Gosling. Okay. Just because I, I've He's seen dreamy. him. In, yeah, he is dreamy. He's very <laughs> dreamy. I've seen him in a couple things lately, and I really like his, like, grumpy, disquiet disconnected mm-hmm. like i think if you put him in the hat and you put him with mm-hmm. like the coat and everything with a cigarette and like a you know a, yeah. a five o'clock shadow i think he could do a good job mm-hmm. i think he's a he's a very good actor and stupidly enough just because i'm on such a high with him right now i had to put joseph gordon levitt <laughs> just because i think he can do anything That's true. um and then i had one other really kind of what i thought was was absolutely ridiculous was uh martin freeman from uh, from the hobbit i know (laughs) i know well that's the thing i was you know what it is i am terrible at these castings i it's like going into a record store and somebody giving you free reign saying pick out like five Mm -hmm. albums whatever you want yeah and you just you forget everything that you listen to Mm -hmm. that's how i feel when i do these lists i I just i suck so (laughs) actually you going on about this totally just made me think of like who i would love to play Constantine. There you go. Who? who? Okay, initially I kind of cheated and I asked people on Twitter. I was Mm. like, what do you think? And I just kind of wanted to see what people, you know, like bounce ideas off people. Mm -hmm. And some people said like Paul Bettany, Jude Law, Ewan McGregor. And I really liked Paul Bettany and I was totally Mm. sold on that. But then when you mentioned Ryan Gosling, um, he's nothing like Ryan Gosling, but like it just, I don't know why the 
connection came. Um, there's this actor named Rupert Rupert Henry Jones, and um, he was in uh, Whitechapel, which is a BBC series, um, and he was in uh, MI5. I don't think anyone aside from maybe me. You're very British right now. You're being yeah. very British. <laughs> I am. I am, but I really love BBC. Yeah. Um, he was in Matchpoint, like uh, Woody Allen's Matchpoint. Oh, okay. Um, and a few other things that you'll probably recognize him from. But if mm-hmm. you look up Rupert Penry, like P-E-N-R-Y, Jones. Weird name. You're um, making that up. Yeah, Rupert Penry. Swear to God. He, like, is perfect. British accent. I'm sending Bobby the link as we speak. Oh, I'm looking at him right now. Yeah, I, I can see that. Rupert Penry the third. He's, yeah. a, he's a little bit soft looking but i mean definitely has like the the right kind of look for him in mi5 he's totally all like badass in mi5 and uh i really enjoy him and i think he would be a really uh, if just give him a little bit of scruff <laughs> just give him a little bit of scruff and he'll totally be a little uh, <laughs> All right, Bob. I've got, I've got a crazy one, but you, okay. you, you've got to then you have to place this with a, a, a genre movie we've all seen and liked. Kevin Bacon. Ooh, that's not a bad the, one. I the mean, X Men First Class version of Kevin Bacon, I think, could work. It's not bad. He's, I, he, you know, Kevin Bacon has the right look to me because I feel like Constantine should be, you know, good looking but not. Right. Pretty, like it weathered, be a, weathered a little bit, yeah, a little angular. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's not a bad one. No, that's that's. You know what? I wouldn't. I would have fought you on that had I not just watched the following, the new show oh, that he's in with. Th- um, those trailers look awesome. Yeah, it looks oh, really good. What's his name? Why can I not think of his name? Who, Anyways, the other guy, guy from Rome, James Purfoy. Thank you. Who also um, might not be a bad Constantine. Yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah. yeah, he actually could be a really good dead man. We're skipping ahead. He, Come on, hold on. Yeah. I, you just said it. I'm, I'm writing it down. Ah! <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I could dig that. Mm-hmm. I I think he's a little more like older than I pictured Constantine, mm-hmm. but I could definitely go along with that. Yeah, he's really great. And the other person I thought of too was speaking of Rome, Kevin McKidd, who's in Rome, <gasps> Journeyman, and he was in that movie Dog Soldiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's oh. great. He's great, okay. and he looks just like him. So, uh, all right, so let's move on to Dead Man. Um, I'll go first. I I picked Bradley Cooper. Uh, I think he has the right sort of uh, sarcastic wit about him. Hmm. Um, I, I, and the way I picture Dead Man also is, you know, I, in the movie I don't picture him being like a full kind of CG character. I picture him more being more more practical, and so he has to have enough of a build to look like he could be that kind of acrobat guy. And I feel like Bradley Cooper has that. And I also feel like after seeing something like Silver Linings Playbook, Bradley Cooper also has a lot of has more chops than I really thought that, that he had before. <laughs> uh, so that's my my pick for uh, Dead Man. He's not just the guy from Hangover. He's not just the guy from <laughs> Hangover. No, it's good to know. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I loved him in Alias too. So that's going back a, a while, but. Uh, Steve, what about you? My pick is Doug Jones. Uh, Doug Jones was Abe Sapien in Hellboy Mm. and the Thin Man in Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, I just, I know he's a little older, but, you know, you slap some makeup and obviously Mm. there's going to be some, you know, new CG effects. Yeah, yeah. They're saying how they're having a difficult time, Mm -hmm. you know, writing him and and pulling him off on screen that um, just the, his his the way he moves his body the way that he presents his characters is very unique and anytime that i see dead man he always looks like he's walking on a trapeze or he's got his arms out of his sides doing something um 
and also the the contours of of um of Doug Jones's face mm-hmm. if you just shave his head and threw some white makeup mm-hmm. on or we could always ask the guy that we met at the uh, the beer emporium oh, yeah. after Comic Con. Yes, that Holy guy was amazing. Shit, guy yeah. cosplaying, yeah, as Dead Man. It was pretty spot he was on. Amazing. Yeah, it was pretty damn spot on. Uh, Bob, what about you? Uh, well, I you mentioned older. I think of Dead Man as older. In the right. original incarnation, you know, be. Boston Brand was an older mm-hmm. character. I'm, now I think they're writing him. I mean, dead, yeah. dead younger. Dead but, younger. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's about the, those contours of the face. Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson's a good one. That's a good one. He'd have to slim down a little bit. No, but, uh, the way <laughs> yeah, Neil that's Adams so for stop fighting them wolves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now the way uh, Neil Adams drew him, he was bulkier through the chest than mm-hmm. he's being drawn now. He's now he's a little more lithe. He was bigger then. I mean, when I look at see Dead Man in the books, I think they draw him. I think he's pretty big for the chest now. That, okay. That's you know that's why I said that because he does definitely looks like. I think it's the outfit. It could be that's yeah. very tight outfit. <laughs> It's that V neck. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. It's that 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 suggestive white chest that he's got. Um, Liam Neeson's a good one, though. I mean, you can't really go wrong casting Liam Neeson in anything. Uh, Stephanie, what do you got for Dead Man? You totally just like gave me James Purifoy. Oh, that's true. Now I would totally picture James Purifoy because he kind of like I've been reading Justice League Dark, mm-hmm. and um, he kind of gives off that like Doc Manhattan vibe, and then it made me automatically think of like Billy Crudup. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like, obviously, I don't. I wouldn't want Billy Crudup to play him, but it just made me think of it. But yeah. um, I could see someone like James Purifoy totally pulling off that broody kind of... <laughs> just going to use sound effects. Yeah. Yeah. You're all about sound effects right now. Damn. The words have failed her. <laughs> yeah, Arr. absolutely. Um, well, let's let's reverse the order here. Stephanie, why don't you give us your swamp thing? <gasps> Ooh, yay! Because I got a good one for this. Okay. <laughs> so Jason Fleming, who played Azazel in X-Men First Class, mm-hmm. and um, he did other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Making a great case for yeah. us. <laughs> He's in um, this, uh, oh God, I'm so ridiculous. I'm like, BBC Trust. Queen. Yeah. Uh, he was in this BBC series, Primeval, <laughs> which I love. It's I love Primeval. Yeah, I love it, but it's it's hokey, but I love it. And, it's so good. Um. He plays Danny Quinn in that. He's in Hannah. He's in Ironclad, The Social Network. Um, I'll, wait, I think he's uncredited in that. I'm looking at his IMDb page. <laughs> um, but he's in a ton of stuff, and he's really versatile. I think he would be a great choice. All right. Bob, let's go to you. Uh, it, okay. I'm just going to say, because it is a Del Toro movie, it's going to be Ron Perlman. We know that's, that ahead of time. That's what I have. Uh, okay. But, but what the? yeah, Tom, Tom Hardy. Totes. Tom Hardy. Think about it's so Totes funny. Tom Hardy is one of those guys I feel like could play any of these roles. It's yeah. like the Michael Fassbender thing. It's like I feel like oh, Michael Fassbender would be a really good dead man. And you okay, yeah. argue with me, you yeah. know what I mean? But yeah, Tom Hardy would be very good. Yeah, I thought about him for Dead Man as well, yeah. um, or Constantine for that matter. Yeah. If he played like the kind of character he was in uh, Inception, you know, yes. it's very Constantine like. All right. Yeah. Um, Steve. Totes the Perlman. Um, <laughs> I, had, I had Ron Perlman down, too, if you're going with an older. Uh, I also had Josh Brolin down if okay. he went oh. older. Josh Brolin's not bad. Uh, and then I have a really weird one, but this is probably just because Did I love the Daniel show. Radcliffe. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> no, it's Ron, whoever played Ron Weasley. Uh, no. Oh, um, really? <laughs> no, no. Uh, Ryan Hurst, who is Opie from Sons of Anarchy. Okay. I love him. Right? 
Um, He's my favorite character. I just started watching that. I I think like if you got rid of the beard, if you combed his hair up a little bit, that you could get the the professor sciency aspect out of him. That Mm -hmm. Alec Holland. Mm-hmm. All right, gotta get my name straight. Yeah, you got it. All right, yay. Um, I think that he's he's the like the one character on. The, I've he's my one of my favorite characters on that show. Definitely near the top. Um, he just has <laughs> he just has a very zen quality about him that he seems very in touch and very down to earth. Mm-hmm. And I think he would bring a lot to the Alec Holland character. And then if you like, he's like a big biker dude that if you put him in the proper cg he could do like a very um like a a gruff violent um swamp thing but Mm -hmm. still have that like sensitivity about like the Mm -hmm. the nate like plants and nature and the love aspect of it i think he could do a good job because he's totally like a grizzly bear but then he's a teddy bear but then he's a grizzly bear (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Stephanie's making a better case than I am. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a teddy bear. I will say this. I, to me, Ron Perlman doesn't work because he's not Alec Holland. Like he, I, I, like, well, yeah. He just, he, like, Ron Perlman's great, and I love him, but he's not the super intelligent botanist. You know, he he's not. So I don't think he what? works. I, oh, way. I agree, but you know, we may Ron Perlman can play everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For all the roles. Uh, my, I thought maybe I, Hugh McGregor was the person I kind of gravitated yeah. towards, you know. And the, the weird thing about this movie is that a lot of these guys, like the people who will be, will be voicing or kind of giving the character personality, are going to be different than what brings the visual character to life, mm-hmm. you know. You have Ewan McGregor for Swamp Thing, yeah, interesting. As you know, I feel like he has that kind of soft-spoken, you know, sensitive, uh, can see very, vibe. very intelligent. What? You see the movie Stay. I did not see oh, the movie yeah, stay. So you got it, dude. You have to okay. see that movie. Uh, you know, I feel like he has that thing to him where he can he can play that, and then you know, this one thing is going to be a crazy practical effect, or you know, probably crazy practical capture. because yeah. it's Del Toro, so you might get some insane you know practical effects there, and then they can always do whoever they want in that suit to you know do the physicality of the swamp thing. I was thinking Kane this Hodder. Is totally why we should have just done this as an entire show. <laughs> nah. uh, Kane Hodder is the physicality of yeah, it. It's, yeah, it can actually happen. Um, so let's go on to Zatanna. We've already kind of talked about this when we did the Justice League thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we talked about Mila Kunis. We, you know, I mentioned um, Ellen Page, but uh, you know, I, I, I mean, what did you have? To, to uh, I had Gemma Arterton. Oh, she's a good choice as well. It's a yeah. good choice Gemma. as well. Gemma, 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 whatever. It's a weird name. Give him a break. <laughs> yeah, give me a break, Steph. <laughs> I actually was reading when I was reading Justice League Dark. There's this uh, profile of Zatanna there, and I'm like, shit, she looks so much like someone. And I was like, killing myself, like trying to figure out. So I read and read, and then I went back to it, and it hit me that her profile looked so much like Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, you think so, and, really? Pardon? I said, oh, oh I, you think so? I, I didn't. I never noticed that. Yeah, like there's this one specific. Uh, part of I think issue two or three where she just looks alarmingly like Jennifer Lawrence but I mean outside of that I don't know but I think she might be an interesting choice she's kind of proven that she is really versatile and yeah, she's I would fantastic. love to see her yeah, yeah. in a she can play anything movie. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly I also mentioned Evangeline Lilly initially and mm-hmm. then I kind of was like nope I like Jennifer Lawrence better for this yeah the Jennifer Lawrence would be would be great so I did come up with something else but only if they do I'll say it this way: the real Zatanna, okay, with the top hat, mm-hmm. Zoe Deschanel. That could definitely work. Absolutely, I love her. That could definitely work. Um, the one that that right now also looks to me a little bit like Mary Elizabeth Winstead, 
who was oh, yeah. yeah who was in Scott Pilgrim and Die Hard Four and stuff like that. I, I and I think she'd be good too. She's got the right kind of. She's got a good comedic sense. She's got a good dramatic sense. I think that she would actually work. She was in the remake of the thing. Yes, yeah, she's the lead in the remake of the thing. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Is that worth saying? I would be. It's okay. It's not. Yeah. Great. <laughs> For, if you're a purist of like, I mean, the thing is my favorite sci-fi horror movie. That it's it's watchable. It's a nice compliment. It is nowhere near, not even close gotcha. to Which being Which I never expected to be anyway. No. You know, it's, you know, no. it's tough to hit that that high. The level of CG work, it, it really mars. The, uh, yeah. yeah, that kills it for me. Next. That's, it's just <laughs> one of those weird things. All right, so. It's the I, times. I know these are the two kind of characters that are the lesser known, at least to most of us at mm-hmm. this table. So we'll go through the demon. We'll do the demon first. Okay. I'll go first. Um, now, I definitely see this as a motion capture type of situation. Absolutely. Um, and if you're going to do the one that's in the comics now, you know, he has the demon and he turns back into the Jason, Jason Blood. Blood. Uh, for Jason Blood, I would pick Kit Harrington, who plays Jon Snow on uh, Game of Thrones. Oh. Um, hmm. And then, but obviously for the motion capture work in the demon, Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis. That's Absolutely. what I had to, yeah. yeah. Um. I also, just put Tom Hardy and Michael Fassbender for the rest of the choices. Collectively, um, both. I had Andy Serkis, but I also put uh, Graham McTavish, who he is the Euro- he was uh, Dwaylin in The Hobbit. Oh, okay. And he was also the European buff in the new Rambo film. The guy that was like mouthing off the entire oh, time. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, he, I just I think if you if you wanted to make him mm-hmm. demon, I think you could pull that off. Cool, awesome, awesome. Um, and then we have the Spectre. Uh, who y- y- you want to go first? Fastbender. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Michael Fastbender and Tom Hardy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I had a now I actually had Liam Neeson for this, um, yeah. which I think I guess the voice. You know, I, I think he has to have a great voice because that's mostly what it's going to be. You know. Uh, I did have a kind of out there idea. Not that I want this to happen, but obviously with what happened with the Green Lantern movie and how it was not very successful, and they obviously want to transition away from that and maybe use Jon Stewart or maybe use Kyle Rayner for that. But I'm, I don't think they want to just wipe out stuff that they've already set up. If you take Ryan Reynolds and you do the Hal Jordan Spectre, that could be an easy way from the transition away from him being Green Lantern and mm. to bring in a new Green Lantern. That's more of like a practical like idea than what I really want it to be. But I still think that would be an interesting situation for them to yeah, take off. But then I got to look at man, man, boy face. I don't know. He's got he got the abs world. though for the Spectre. Well, they do cover his face. <laughs> they with do. The it's like that white got the thing. Hood. The hood and the white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was our Justice League uh, dark. Casting. I have one thing to add. Bring it on. I, I was just being ridiculous because mm-hmm. Stephanie and I were kidding back and forth online. Mm-hmm. An absolute dream cast. If I want to go way back for mm-hmm. those older listeners in the audience, right? So anybody, so anybody at all, yeah, okay. and we'll pick the period. Yeah. Um, the 1950s version of William Holden as Constantine. Okay, world weary, still kind of handsome, but falling apart. That would work. Uh, Ava Gardner. Okay, for Zatanna. For Swamp Thing, Lon Chaney Jr. The right. played the Wolfman and the Mummy and <laughs> yeah. all those other monster <laughs> characters, and they would do you know mm-hmm. regular Jack Pierce makeup. Uh, for Dead Man, the 50s version of Jack Palance. Okay. Ooh. Um, Big I think any version of Jack Palance well, could play. Well, yeah, but no, when he was younger, and Big he was up. actually handsome, in yeah. a, in a, but in an off kind mm-hmm. of way that could work. Um, this goes, you have to go a little further back. In the early 50s, Burt Lancaster was 
he was an acrobat for mm. real in real life. But I think he could play the demon. Okay. Put some makeup on him and a cape and the whole thing. And the only you were talking about the voice for the Spectre. The only person who could really play the Spectre would be the '40s Orson Welles. That would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. The literal voice of God. Yeah. <laughs> Rosebud. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rosebud yeah, exactly. frozen peas. <laughs> I, I also think that like Chinatown era Jack Nicholson could play John Constantine. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Packed All right. Vitamins and green penis. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on. Let's Moving go to our on. next question. Yeah. Whoa, guys. <laughs> All right. So the next question is from, and I'm sorry if I botched this, Hassan Barada. Okay. Um, so, uh, great podcast, guys. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, mm-hmm. Imagine the scene. You're going on an awesome bar crawl. Which comic characters would you invite, invite out for a good old knees up? I got mine. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Thor. Thor yeah. would be a good one. I would invite <laughs> Thor. Yeah, immediately he would be the first first call mm-hmm. I make would be to Thor second would be to Sif she pounds the beers and no actually no the whole fucking Thor family yeah, yeah. you have Thor um, was, is Lady Thor does she have what's her name Lady Thor no there's a female Thor Thor uh, oh god Valkyrie? I think. Oh, the Valkyrie. Oh, the Valkyrie, the Valkyrie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Valkyrie yes. All right, the Valkyrie no, um, awesome. <laughs> and Sif. The three of them yeah. together, I would do I would do like a like a bar crawl of the nine realms, <laughs> I think would be awesome. Yeah. Don't ask Volstead. That would be yeah. really cool. Oh, no, Volstagg <laughs> will drink all the beer. There'll be nothing yeah, left for yeah, me. Right. You, no, no, can't no. Have, you can't yeah, have them. You can't have it with you. I would totally personally take Stephanie Brown along with me, yeah. just because she seems like my people. <laughs> My people. <laughs> she seems like my kind of people. So, but she's you know. allowed, is she allowed to drink? Yeah, we're gonna pretend she's legal. She could probably drink in Canada. I mean, okay. like in Quebec at like eighteen. I'm sure she's more than eighteen. Hey, and she could get fake ID from Oracle. So what the heck? It's true. Yeah, exactly. It's basically like, or we could go to Europe. You know, whatever. You could go to Europe. It's true. <laughs> whatever. I mean, it doesn't say where the bar crawl has to be. This is true. It does not. You're absolutely right. So you know. Anyone else? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, look, I have the I have this weird theory. I think the best grouping when you're doing some of this is six, mm-hmm. just enough people to you know chat with. So for me, uh, I want to sit at a table with Ben Grimm and Alicia. Nice. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Walters. Okay, it's a good one. Carol Danvers and mm-hmm. Hellboy. Wow. Nice. I like the I like the addition of Hellboy. Into, into that one, definitely. Uh, he, he and Ben playing poker or yeah. like arm wrestling or something <laughs> at the table after a few beers could be very interesting. I don't want any any Hulk in my situation. I no, don't, no, I don't, definitely I, not. I don't, not even Bruce, because you know somebody bumps into him, gets a little bar Spills fight, a breaks beer out, on him, yeah, it ruins the whole night. How about you, Bobby? Who did you come up with? Well, I think actually, definitely John Constantine. I think that would be awesome. Might get, things might get a little rough, yeah. <laughs> but I think it'd definitely be fun. Um, I know this is not really good for his, you know, program, but Tony Stark, <laughs> yeah, I, I think would be awesome. Um, Hawkeye, both of them, yeah, oh, yeah, both of them yeah. would be amazing. Um, and that's what that's what I have. That's that's my, I mean, Thor is a great idea. The whole that whole group of, is just you know, I'll have another exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Verily. You get Her- Hercules in there too. Hercules. I don't want to go drink. Nah, you, Hercules, you got to worry about him getting naked. <laughs> you know, you That's know, exotic. you totally know that the next day that he's on the floor somewhere, passed out, naked, and just walking around the house half awake. Like, what did I miss? Yeah, yeah. 
Ten minutes after you left, Hercules. <laughs> it got crazy. It got crazy. Um, yeah, no, that that sounds like a, a good time. Your dad showed up. Yeah. <laughs> I think I thought about Wolverine, but he's a little too surly. Nah, sometimes, you know, no, he's gonna be an he's angry. A, he's drunk. a shots yeah. man. That he can go too. Man. That can go bad real quick. Well, you'd also totally have to be like well versed in fighting to go out with Wolverine because he'd expect you to have his back. It's true. So, you'd I mean, be, you'd, if you're not you'd willing smell to like, uh, with Wolverine, then you probably shouldn't take them drinking. Yeah, probably You'll not. You'll smell no. like Savage Land cigars by you the will. end of it, too. <laughs> you will. And I don't smoke cigars, so I'd be a little, he'd, be, he'd try to force a cigar, and I'd be like, I don't want to do this, you know? Yeah. Probably drinking like 600 proof liquor, because I don't think I get him drunk. Well, he's got a healing factor. He's exactly. Good, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And I definitely wouldn't want to go out with Bruce Wayne. He'd no. be way too serious. He wouldn't really drink. He'd fake drink. Yeah. I am the night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dick Grayson might be fun though to go out drinking with. You get him a couple in him, he'll tell stories about Bruce. It's really it cuts loose a little bit. Yeah. Um, that's probably then the Batman family who would, and Tim. I think Tim would be a good time to go out and drink him with. But. How awful would it be to go drinking with Harley Quinn? That'd be bad. Holy crap! You'd have to like take care of her for the rest of the night. Would, that would not be a good scene. Actually, Lady Blackhawk could be interesting. Lady Blackhawk could be. She's left yeah. over from the forties. Yeah. yeah, she's she's an old kind of. 40s broad in in the best sense. Absolutely. Of it. What about Stephanie? Did you Stephanie Brown? You said Stephanie Brown. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't go drinking that often, so I don't know yeah. what I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not I, at I all. don't know who I would really take with me. I'd be pretty boring. I'm sorry, and I, I do love Captain America. I would not take Cap with me. No. He'd be like, he'd be like, that's uh, enough, son. Yeah. <laughs> be responsible. Milk. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the the backbone of America was not built on alcohol, Bobby. Get out of here. You gotta screw yourself. Spider-Man could be fun. Oh yeah, definitely, absolutely. The Peter Parker, the Peter, Peter, Parker. Parker. Auto, yeah. Yeah. Peter Parker, Peter Parker. Although you'd also have to fight too, because he'd probably be really quippy when he was drunk, and then you know he would be. He'd be a little quippy. He was a little bit yeah. of a, a sarcastic. I think I was like one. Human Torch. Oh yeah, absolutely. Would be fun. Yeah, it also have supermodels hanging all over him. It's so true. That, that, yeah, that could be. You it know, wouldn't be bad. VIP all the way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But oh, the Fantastic Four. Sorry, go ahead, Stephanie. Oh, no, that just sort of reminded me of an episode of Workaholics, if you watch that show, but I'll go into that later. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, what's next on the ducket? All right, so Mario Schneiderall. do 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 Mario Schneiderall? <laughs> Sorry. Really? Schneiderall. Okay, anyways. <laughs> Mario, Mario. S. Mario S. asks. <laughs> yeah. Mario someone... He left it on Twitter or Facebook. Sorry. He said, are there characters you would be so interested in that you went back decades to read how it all came to be? If so, which character did you go back for the furthest and was it worth it? I'm doing that right now. Yeah, you Me are. too. Ooh, mm-hmm. do tell. Mm-hmm. Who are you doing with Stephanie? Um, Two actually. So my first one, um, I really saw a lot of stuff up and around, like a lot of fan art for uh, Medusa from, uh, I mean, she's in Fantastic Four now, but um, I wanted to kind of go back into her past in the Inhumans. Mm-hmm. So I got the entire collection and, and read through, uh, started reading through a bunch of it. Um, it doesn't put a lot of focus on her character, though. So it was it was interesting enough to stick with it, even though the reason I went back was for her. Right. Um, but now that she's in Fantastic Four, I'm hoping to kind of get a better grasp on her character. And I think I mentioned this last time, but I'm also kind of trying to read some more Cloak and Dagger comics. Yes, you did. Mm-hmm. So that's those are those are who I've been uh, collecting stuff from and mm. reading. 
about. The um, Cloak and Dagger, the I guess I think it was three issues of the Spider Island event were awesome. If you want some good Cloak and Dagger. And they're in Runaways briefly, too. Yes, they are. Um, I have been going back. Uh, when we did our uh, character, I did a list of my characters of the year. Um, and I included her in my characters of female characters of all time. But Valeria Richards mm-hmm. has steadily become probably my favorite character in comics, uh, definitely in the Marvel Universe. I just really quick why I, the idea that you have a three year old that is smarter than Reed Richards and most of the people in the known universe, mm-hmm. that when you have like a meeting of the minds or a summit of the minds, that you have these warriors and kings and diplomats of these multiverses and pocket universes that have lived 8,000 lifetimes, and they're coming to a three-year-old who has to sit on a telephone book for <laughs> advice, and she's sitting at the head of the table and tells you that you've she's already figured out the problem She's already figured out the solution to your problem, but she doesn't want to discuss it until after she's had her nap. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> absolutely, absolutely love her. Anyway, um, Bob recently brought into our comic shop a bunch of uh, Valeria origin issues, and I collected all but two of them in the past week and a half. This included a whole bunch of FF stuff, and uh, I'm going to systematically go through each one of them and find out how my favorite character came to be it's gonna be fun awesome uh i did not go back that long uh a couple things actually one of them i went back about six or seven years uh for the catch up on the grant morrison run of uh batman to get get all cup on the damien stuff because i was really into that character so i've been i went through all that stuff uh and the other thing too is i haven't read through all of it but i went back and i started collecting uh the mark wade flash run which is a pretty long run so it's been a kind of a slow go but uh i love that character a ton and obviously he's one of my favorite writers so uh that's the two things i've done well sadly for me uh when i started reading comics there weren't decades before right. there so mm-hmm. not too much uh but the golden age characters always start once you saw them reappear it would start to go back but then really looking back it's the pulp characters it's the shadow and doc savage and those things that had come even before and so finding a way to collect those, mostly in old paperbacks and things like that, that's what I sort of did. Stephanie, by the way, Medusa has does a really nice run from issue 150 back in Fantastic Four where she takes the place of Sue Richards for about a year and a half. Really? Yeah, that you get a whole, that's why she's in FF now mm. is because she was Sue's replacement then. So what issues are those? I believe well, maybe- it's from about issue 136 to 150. Back in the original one. I will definitely look into that. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I do really like that character too. The Medusa character I've really yeah. taken to her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw her in some really old school stuff. Uh, I got a whole bunch of how to draw Marvel books over the past week for oh, her yeah. birthday. And she's in a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very cool. Love well, that she, character. She first appears as a villainess. She's one of the Frightful Four. And really quickly, it's well, she doesn't have a memory, doesn't know who she is. She got picked up on the streets in Paris by the wizard, who you know from FF. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, Stan laid out a little bit at a time. Oh, she's one of the Inhumans. There's this race. She actually kidnaps Johnny after escaping from the, the battle with the Fantastic Four the first time. Mm-hmm. And they end up discovering this very strange race of people. And it goes from there. So it goes all the way back to about 1964 or 5. Very cool. Awesome. Um, we actually have an email, Stephanie, from the listener feedback. So I'm going to skip to that real quick. 
Um, sure. Actually, let me just quickly pop in. Mario, I realized it because he asks another question about the end. He just had oh. a comment saying, the show is awesome. Keep it up. Never let anyone go. You guys are like the musketeers. <laughs> awesome. So. Thank you so much, Mario. Thank uh, you. Even though we don't know what your last name is because Stephanie cannot pronounce it. Um, I'm sorry. I'm going to look at Mario S. So this is from uh, Samuel Moon. He says, howdy, comic crew. Comic fans love to imagine, argue about what would happen if different characters fought. I'd love to hear your thoughts on these matchups. So we'll go. We'll just go really quick around the table on them. Uh, Superman versus the Hulk. Steve. The Hulk. Bob. Superman. Stephanie. The Hulk. Superman. Um... Green Lantern versus Nova. Green Lantern. Green Lantern. Green Lantern. Green Lantern. Right. Batman versus Night Owl. Batman. Tie. You think a tie? Yeah. No, Batman. The, the Dan Dreinberg Night Owl? Yeah. I don't think so. Dan's got a little weakness to him. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> this is my opinion. Um, Dr. Manhattan versus Captain Adam. Well, they're the same character. Right. So but it's a tie. They, they well, Dr. Manhattan ends up with more power, so right. it's Dr. Manhattan. Doctor Manhattan. Manhattan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we go. Uh, Nightwing versus Red Hood versus Red Robin versus Robin. That's Damian Wayne Robin, obviously, because it's the only one oh. left. Um, Wait, Nightwing versus Red Hood versus Red Robin versus Robin. So it's Ugh. Dick Grayson versus mm. Jason Todd versus uh, Tim Drake versus Damian Wayne. I would say Nightwing, but then Damian is like. Stabby. He's got that ruthless streak. Yes. He does not Mario, play by the rules. Mario Schnetterlay. 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 All right. There we go, Mario. Think of, uh, off topic. Apparently, you're going to win the matchup. Think of, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, what is that? School of Rock. Ed Schneebly. Um Who would you pick, Steve? What were the, the things? The Robins. Uh, the Robins. I would have to go Damian Wayne just because I think that he's the only Robin that's willing to kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, Nightwing should, but. Right, he'll think he'll have it won and get stabbed right through the lungs in the back. Wait, like, is this a death match or just a fight? It's just a fight. <laughs> Damien will well, lay there. Damien then wouldn't necessarily win. Mm-hmm. I mean, also, if it's a fight to a, the death, Damien. Yeah, I would like to see him win. <laughs> He's my favorite. Do to kill all the other Robins? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now fix I don't the, have to fix worry the DC anymore. universe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, the only reason I would say Damien is not because of the stab is I just think he's probably the smartest of all of them. You know, mm-hmm. doesn't have the most experience. Obviously, that obviously goes to Nightwing. Um, so I think it would come down to Nightwing versus Damien. Mm-hmm. Good big big man beats a good little man is the boxing rule. It's true. That's absolutely true. Um, oh, and he also asks, uh, which anniversary are we more excited for? Superman seventy fifth, Doctor Who's fiftieth. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 20th <laughs> or Talking Comics Sorry. 2nd. Aww, well, oh, that's, that's so I mean, lovely. I think we're obligated to say Talking Comics. No, it's definitely Doctor Who's 50th. Doctor Who, yeah, totes. That's no, fine anyway. Super, Superman. Every so time I say who. totes. <laughs> what about you? Um, well, I, you know, Talking Comics 2nd anniversary. Right, yeah, yeah, That'll yeah. be nice. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. It's got to be Doctor Who. I can't believe it's the 20th anniversary of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. That's uh, crazy. Uh, so old. That show. All the old. 
All right. I, that's when I dropped off was around Power Rangers. I never got into Power Rangers. I was too old to watch Power Rangers when it came out, but I watched it. <laughs> All right. I wasn't uh, allowed how, to watch Power how Rangers. How annoying Rita was. She was very annoying. She's always yelling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all I saw all of them do was just yell and pose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because the first, the first couple of seasons, or at least the first season... All the villain stuff was all in Japanese, and they just kind of dubbed it over. That was one of the favorite aspects of the show when I did catch it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, Stephanie, let's go back to you. All right. So Paul Stevens says, a question from the UK. Which comic series, or sorry, which comic or series have you triple dipped on? Mine is Strangers in Paradise. I have single issues, hardcovers, pocketbooks, and the omnibus. Quadruple dip, he says. So is there any books that... You guys have picked up numerous times just because you love it so much and there's a yeah. new edition out. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things for me. Um, I Kill Giants. Mm-hmm. I have all the single issues. I have the trade and I have the uh, collector's edition. Cool. Um, FF and Fantastic Four. Uh, I seem to get a new Fantastic Four FF something <laughs> every other day. Um, and I will, I have single issues and trades of, of FF. And when the third one comes out, I will buy that. Uh, the walking dead, I have entirely too much. I have multiple variant covers of, Mm -hmm. uh, the 100th issue. I have the entire, like all nine of them, Mm -hmm. uh, that I was supposed to turn on eBay and never did. So (laughs) I guess now they're mine. Um, I'll let somebody else can go. I have a whole bunch. Yeah. Well, you've seen my house. I have Fantastic Four everything. It seems like yeah. in however many editions. And it, oh, it's the best of. I'll I know. Buy I'm in. That. I'm in training. I'll, I'll buy that. Um, <laughs> I'm Bob's Fantastic Four protege. But I, I've bought the Rocketeer. I can't tell you how many times mm-hmm. between the original books and then trades and now. <gasps> The deluxe editions with little ribbons in them and things. I bought Just, Marvels and Kingdom Come over and over again. <laughs> I totally sorry, Bob. Go ahead. Speaking of the Rocketeer, the J Bone Rocketeer that's coming out with the art by J Bone. Oh, the J Bone. So yeah. <laughs> I'm all the excited. <laughs> yeah, it looks very, very nice. J Bone. Ah, carry on. <laughs> Bobby, how about you? What have you... I don't think... I've never triple dipped anything. Uh, I have... Like, I bought the Revival trade, mm-hmm. and I have single issues. Um, I bought some stuff, like... I bought Captain... The first issue of Captain Marvel digitally and, like, physically. Um, and that's the only stuff... I mean, I haven't been doing it long enough to kind of uh, collect that much stuff. I bought four issues of Saga Number 9 this past week. <laughs> Why? Because one one is yeah one is a gift. Okay. Another is I read my copy and upon closing it discovered that there was a little white smudge from my fingerprints on the cover, and stupidly enough, I picked up a Kleenex tissue and tried to wipe it off. That did not work. So I had a huge smush of white on my cover. That will not do. If it was something else, that would be one thing. But this is Saga. So I went out and I bought another. I fell. I fell. And the cover ripped. (laughs) So I bought another one. Maybe it's telling you to like... Deal with your OCD. No. <laughs> By the trade is what it's called. It's telling, no, what it tells me, and I said, if it wasn't, if it was something else, that'd be one thing. I love that series and I support that series so much that I, I will make sure that I have perfect copies of it. And so, you know what? If I throw a couple, an extra $10 to Saga, then so be it. So okay. that's, to me, it's it's worth yeah. the money. All right. Stephanie, do you have um, anything? Yeah, I do. Um, I have, I, I don't know if I've I like tripled. The- 
dipped I, in. What? Can I just say something really quick? Yeah. I like how nobody cared that I fell. That you know, you're here. What <laughs> so, happened? Like what happened? Like a week ago? I'm pretty we sure we would have got like a text from you if you had yeah. to go to the hospital. It happened yesterday. The day before. Did you have to yeah, go to the hospital? Yesterday. Then you're clearly fine. How do you you look? You know what? Forget it. You're just move on to the next one. No, you guys don't care. It's fine. Can I like answer now? It's fine. <laughs> yes, you can, can answer. We like stop talking about how you fell. <laughs> we talk about your crap all the time. <laughs> Usually off. We air do talk a lot about a lot about a lot of your crap. Okay, Please. go. Anyways, so it will probably come as no surprise that I have a lot of stuff from Fables. <laughs> um, but that was sort of just my own stuff. I collect everything. I have a ton of stuff uh, from Runaways. I don't know if it's quadruple dipped, but I have a lot of individual issues of the spinoff, like the Runaways Civil War stuff. Yeah, and um, the hard covers, the off covers, and then they came in like these little like manga-esque books yeah and i collected all of those too (laughs) um i feel like there's more but those are the two really big ones that i've collected numerous times and revival i've picked up the individual issues for as well as like the trades and then i also picked up um autographed editions because i didn't i don't bring my stuff with me to conventions so Mm. i usually just have to buy stuff that I really want there. Done gotcha. Um, I believe the little ones are called digests. Yeah, Di- but, digest yeah, editions. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. What is, what number of the hardcover uh, Runaways is the one oh, that you've now bought again. seventeen times? And I wonder if Stephanie has a complete. It's one. volume seven. Um, oh God, how can I not remember the name of it? I don't know, but the problem is, is that they they've shipped them out. I've I've had five different ones since I ordered it, and. Every single time, it's the same couple of pages. They're stuck together, and when you pull them apart, they literally oh, wow. they rip. Um, I've reordered this book seven, no, five times now, five times, and every single time, it's the same pages. Um, it's a printing error, but mm-hmm. it happened with Fourth World. It happens with whatever they send a tour, and they haven't fixed it yet. Wow, that's so that's uh, six tuple dipping, yeah, and only on yeah. one book. <laughs> Yeah. All right. It's um, kind of ridiculous. I've given up. I I kept my original and it might have two ruined pages, but yeah. I'll just imagine what happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what what we got next, Stephanie? All right. So one of our regular listeners, Rep Stones, um he wants to know, have you guys trimmed any of your pull list recently and how do you decide between the not bad books and uh, but the not brilliant books. Mm-hmm. Trimming? Ooh. What's that? Yes. No. He buys everything. Well, for people who don't have Mary Poppins bags for, you know, wallets. I'll go last. <laughs> you guys can go first. Um, I definitely, I have definitely trimmed down. Um, you know, what I do really, there's no science to it um, at all. I, I look at the list of the books that are coming out that week and, you know, I make an initial list that's very long. I just put everything that I might want to read down. And then I just go through it and I, and you know, I go, will I miss if I don't read this book? Will I miss this book if I don't read it? And if the answer is no, I just cut it, you know? And if I don't, if, if I don't have that feeling like I need to read this book now, it just gets cut. And then if I want to read a trade Later, I'll do that. If I want to go back and go to the shop and get some back issues, I'll do that. You know, if it gets really good or I'll, bo- I'll borrow it from somebody else who's reading it. But, you know, I have definitely done that. Like, there's books that I've, I've gone through that I have been buying that I just started cutting. I was like, look, I like this book. I don't love it. There's other books mm-hmm. that I need to be reading. 
it's also a little different, you know, for us and for me, I will speak for myself, is that when I'm buying stuff, especially now in this time when there's so many new number ones coming out, I want to be up on those number ones. I want to have read them so I can talk about them on this show and I can talk about them with people and I can write about them if I need to. So they kind of supersede books that I've been enjoying but not loving. They get taken off my pull list for me to read this number one. Now, those number ones don't necessarily last to the next release. I might just cut them after the, the, the one issue and I might go back to those other books. Um, and I usually kind of keep a list of books that I have not been buying that I might want to, you know, check out. Uh, but yeah, it just comes to a point where like, am I buying it to buy it or am I buying it because I really want to read it? So that that's how it kind of happened with me. Yeah, I agree. If you're not loving something, you're not enjoying the process, mm-hmm. there's other things to buy or just save it for when it gets better. You yeah. Don't worry mm-hmm. about a hole in your collection anymore with yeah. trades and digital you can do what you want. I dropped Supergirl re- recently. I was enjoying it. This whole crossover thing mm-hmm. killed any momentum the book had. Uh, dropped Earth 2 when it got terrible mm-hmm. very quickly. Mm-hmm. And Captain America, you better watch out. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie, what I about you? Yeah, it's the same thing. Like For me right now, I've mentioned that I was going to cut The Walking Dead from my pull list, and I've stuck by that. I even get that book for free, and <laughs> I'm not going to read it anymore. And it's not even a matter of it's bad, to be fair. It's a matter of it's way, way, way too depressing. And it's gotten to a point where it's not how can we progress this story? It's how much bad shit can we put these people through? Mm -hmm. So for Mm -hmm. me, I don't want to read something like that that just kind of is sad for the sake of being like sad. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not even just sad. It's just despairing, maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just hard to read now when there's no more development going on in anything that I really see. Lots of people obviously still buy it. That's why Kirkman's still writing it. Mm. And it's still wildly successful. But for me, that's something that I've pulled from my list. And um, on top of stuff like, am I going to read it? Am I going to, you know, make time for it over something else? It, It's just decisions it's personal decisions Mm -hmm. on whether or not you want to spend money on it like i mean if you don't you can always maybe if you have a really good relationship with your comic book store it's one of those things where if you're not sure you can always put something on hold maybe for a few days think on it and if you like it go and buy it and if not just call the store and be like yeah i'm not going to get those after all Mm -hmm. so if you're worried about money and impulse buying that's another thing to do and I will say, I think that people have a tendency to, you know, they, I think they feel like they can only cut a book if they if they hate it, or they have to make some reason why they don't want it anymore. You know, it's like uh, this, and I, I feel like, you know, everything has a shelf life, you know, and everything has an enjoyment factor. You know, Stephen, you've read 108 issues of The Walking Dead, you know? Yeah, right? like it's... Like 105 yeah 105 whatever that's a lot of time and enjoyment you got out of a series sometimes it's just time to stop reading something you know what i mean like you know you know the stuff that you now find very tough to read and kind of repetitive or too down somebody else might have started reading at issue 91 or whatever and now and they're still in the thick of like this i love this i love all this stuff that's happening you know so don't be afraid to drop something because you're just you're just tired of reading it you know it doesn't have to be this monumental thing where the book has gone down the toilet and it's horrible you know maybe it's just 
you're it's you're not you don't you you want to give your time to something else. Hey, when I stopped collecting X Men, there were people loving it. Right, and it was in the middle of Cable and fourteen different versions of Jean Grey, mm-hmm. and no, mm-hmm. see, been there, done that enough already. I'm seeing right. these stories for the fifth and sixth time. It's too much of a soap opera. There are too many books with X in it. I'm mm-hmm. done. Right, I can go back and read the other ones. Mm-hmm. They're there. Yeah, absolutely, Steve. Uh, believe it or not, contrary to the rumors <laughs> and popular belief, I do cut things from mm-hmm. my pull list. Mm-hmm. I know people make comments about what? the ridiculous amounts of... <laughs> Listen, Bob Bob is my witness. Bob can attest to this. Okay, the middle of last year, I was bad. I was really, yeah. really, 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 really bad. Yeah. Um, however, recently, I hardly buy anything from DC anymore aside from the bat books my dc pile is quite frankly it's a little pathetic mm-hmm. um there's just not much there's not a lot of what they had going on just is not is not holding my attention anymore mm-hmm. um so i've dropped off of a lot of dc books i mean dropped off of suicide squad dropped off of catwoman a lot of the obviously bad books mm-hmm. that i was reading hoping they would get better um i stopped uh, a couple of Marvel Now books that I stopped getting uh, already, ones that I'm just not sure of. Um, X-Men Legacy, I, I have up to current. I got to read it again and make sure whether I want to make a cut or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Bob said it was good, but I did drop Red She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been trying to lighten up and take advantage of the fact that we get advanced copies from Image. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not been collecting Nowhere Men. I've not been collecting Comeback, which I've heard nothing but great things about. Mm-hmm that um, there have been things that I just haven't even started on mm-hmm. because once I get started, if I have one, I have to I have to get them all. Right. Uh, it's like Pokemon. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I do I do make cuts and it's a uh, what you said before about the whole are you buying it because you're enjoying it? Or are you buying it just because you feel obligated or you mm-hmm. feel like you have to? I mean, there are plenty of things that I am buying that I've been buying for a long time that I have not read. Like, I have all of I Vampire, mm-hmm. I have all of Justice League Dark, I haven't read past issue number six on both of those series, and they're up in the teens now. Mm-hmm. So, I do run a giant risk of getting, you know, more than halfway through and being like, ooh. Right. But we also are afforded the luxury that we have such a great shop mm-hmm. that if we run into something and we have the arc and we don't like it, that our store actually allows us to trade it in mm-hmm. um, for either equal or a little bit lesser value. But if I can read something and read an arc of it and, and, find out that I don't enjoy it, I at least get a little bit back from my efforts, a little mm-hmm. bit back from my money, so I don't feel burned by the book that much. Um, but yeah, especially with all these new number ones, I mean, I've liked a lot more of the Marvel now than I've disliked. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my, my, my pull list is always stupid. Right. It's just, I enjoy, I derive a lot of pleasure from comic book reading. Uh, I barely buy games anymore. Mm-hmm. I barely buy movies anymore. I it seems like I buy a lot, but I made a lot of other sacrifices media wise to be able to afford all mm. of these books. Yeah, I don't really have a life, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I do, but I don't. I, you know, I spend a lot of time online and a lot mm. of time reading and and playing around with comics. It's mm. what I enjoy. Absolutely. Um, just one other point to this before we move on, but sometimes too, um. This is more adding to my list than pulling, rather. But 
um, sometimes I'll follow a comic because of the artist or the writer, and I might not necessarily have that on a high priority list to read, um, but I want to support them. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah. Like, I know I should ideally want to read that comic as well, but sometimes I might not have it on a high priority list, so it'll get kind of put on the back burner, but I still want to go out on Wednesday and pick it up for that specific person because I feel like they're, like, the respective company that they work for needs to know that I support them. Mm-hmm. So yes. that's yeah. another factor that goes into what I buy and what I don't. Absolutely. I almost bought a uh, Chris Buccello, uh Captain America 3 variant cover oh, the other really? day just for yeah. the sake of it, but I didn't mm-hmm. do it. Man. Actually, that brings us into a question. Yeah. Mm. Bring it on. So uh, Christian Stoa, there's actually there's two people here who kind of had similar questions, so I'm going to kind of melt them. Mm-hmm. Um, so Christian Stoa was asking about uh, how we feel regarding the added price of variant covers, some being ridiculous priced. And on Twitter, Dweeb, Dweeb of the Dead uh, wanted great. to know yeah. uh, how much we spend on books, including variants and all that. So um, I guess we can mix that together about mm-hmm. starting with how we feel about uh, variants and their pricing. I mean, the thing about for me about that stuff is the same thing we talked about back when we talked about the fifty-two covers mm-hmm. and all that stuff. To me, it's like it can be it can be obviously a little shameless when they do stuff like this. It's obviously they're trying to grab at people's money, but in the end, you have to make that decision to spend that money on, on those things. And if you can't get your your buying addiction under control, then that's something you have to decide for yourself, I think, and not for anything else. I think the percentage of those people who need it, though, is much higher now as they've mm. shrunk in the marketplace. Yeah. I think there are just enough of those people that it makes it worthwhile for them to put out 54 Justice League covers. Or... Right, yeah. I mean, and the truth is, though, also, like, a lot of times, like, these variants, when they come out, you know, the shops have to buy a lot of books to mm-hmm. get the yeah. variants to come. But those variants are usually not they're not always marked up in price, you know, but the shops mark them in price to get back their money, Yeah, you know, for having to buy so many books to get those variants. Well, some things, though, if you look at uh, at the actual list price of some mm. of those, they are much higher. Okay. They actually carry a list price higher because mm. it is based on having to buy those other mm. books. So th- right. mm-hmm. it's a manufacturer-suggested retail price right. is now $100 because mm. you had to buy 50 issues to get it. Right. I will say this. the When The Walking Dead 100 came out, they came out, one of the variants was just the same cover, but it was like plastic. Yep. yep. And it was the same exact cover. And it was raised. It was, yeah, it was raised. Like foil raised. It was $10, foil raised cover. If you opened it up, it was the regular cover and it had the regular price on the on the cover. Yep. Like that to me Charming. is ridiculous. Why would you spend $10 just because of a foil raised cover? I understand wanting a different cover because of a great piece of art on it. Maybe you love that artist. You know, that makes sense huh. to me. Just having like, you know, Oh, it has a. Sh- it's like you know back when they did like the hologram covers. Yeah, we're we're right back to that again. Like, you know? I don't mind. The, the- well, imagine paying ten dollars and finding out that when you open it that that's all it was. Yeah, yeah. You know, to mm-hmm. to lift it up and be like, what? Yeah. See, I don't mind so much. Uh, this week, uh, masks mm-hmm. number three is out. It's four covers, I think, mm-hmm. filled randomly. Right. And yeah. I think there is one variant you know, mm-hmm. you know, that no one's ever going to get. It's okay. Your store gets four. They're the regular price book. If you choose, you want to buy an Alex Ross cover or the mm-hmm. one that's got the shadow on it or Miss Fury, whatever. Whatever. Right. It's three dollars. Yeah. Not thirty dollars. Right. I mean, and, and as far as how much we spend, I mean, Stephanie, what do you think of the variants? Sorry. 
Um, it's just one of those. I, I don't personally buy variants. I mean, I have a few of them, and they're mostly if there's a character that I like that's being depicted on them in you know an awesome way. But I don't typically dip into the variant world. I think it's kind of silly, and mm-hmm. you know, I I don't understand that sort of mentality to spend all that money. If I want that cover so badly, I'd rather go to a convention and pick up a print of it that I can put on my wall. Hmm. Makes sense. Absolutely. Um, well, to reference the whole the whole money spending thing, um, I think that the the money it varies. It yeah. ver- it varies every you know from week to week. There's no real way to pin it down, um, especially for us, seeing as we you know we do get advanced copies uh, from certain publishers, and um, we do have very close relationships with our local shops that they mm-hmm. know that we have the show that we do this. We've been doing this for a while. Um, and they've kind of, you know, welcomed us in and it's, I don't want to say it's understood because that sounds, sounds pompous. It sounds like we're in the mob. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, <laughs> you know, where, men. where, where we go and I mean, you know, Rob, Rob Neumeyer, he's been on the show before. Yeah. Um, he's our guy and he, he treats us. I mean, he, he does things for us, um, discount wise and finding things for us. And just making more or less making things available for us, mm-hmm. um, and making it very easy, and and making us a priority. He's always he's always making every customer that comes through that door a priority. Yeah. Um, but as far as the variants goes, um, I do collect the variants, but I only collect them if it's convenient for me to get them. I don't go out of my way to find variant covers. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, you know, you need to order a certain amount or if there's one, Rob will put it aside for me. I have many of the Marvel now Scotty Young baby covers. Mm -hmm. I have at least eight or nine of them. Uh, I think all but two of them were bought at, um, you know, face value, Mm -hmm. like just the price of the regular book. Um, so that's a, you know, a privilege that, that I've been afforded through, through my comic shop and stuff like that. So, um, I don't know. I, I love to I love to marvel at them. I love mm-hmm. to look at them. I appreciate them and from a collector's standpoint. Um I do think it gets a little shady when you break them down, but um it's still a choice. Yeah. You know, and um I enjoy that they're out there, but I don't always go for them because they are pricey. Right. And most of the time, some of them are really great, and then some of them you can deal with having the regular mm-hmm. cover. I mean, you know, like I never talk about them, but today the Young Avengers number one is coming out, and there's a Brian Lee O'Malley. Well, you've had your eye on that for months. Yeah, the moment yeah. it popped up online yeah. that it was coming out, it was I think right around the time New York Comic Con. Yeah. Um, you know, I've wanted that since that day, and I'm gonna get that. You know, and like that because I love Brian Lee O'Malley. I'm so I'm, and it's like a perfect you know combination of two things. I'm so excited about Young Avengers. I love Brian Lee O'Malley, and I want to have that. You know. And most because that's what I want to, and I'm going to read that copy. It's not like I'm not going to like I want to, but that's what I want to look at when I read the book, mm-hmm. you know. And so I'm excited about it. Yeah. The, the, Every what? time I hear Brian Lee O'Malley's name, I keep on thinking of the Aristocats. <laughs> Just a completely that. random thought. I love that movie. Okay. <laughs> There's a song Thomas Lee O'Malley, or it's like O'Malley the Alley Cat, and Brian Lee O'Malley no. Thomas the Alley Cat. I don't know. It. I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, I'm sorry to go off topic. I would have sang it. Oh, we would have loved to hear you sing <laughs> it. Yeah, we loved, you know, you're no, crazy. I was just but... going to say, the one variant, and I, I again, it was the same idea as with you, Steve, where my store just gave it to me. It was the Captain Marvel number five. 
And then to amplify Stephanie's point, at New York Comic Con, uh, Joe Canonius was actually selling it. So I bought a oh, print, wow. so the print is hanging in my kitchen. Hmm. So I've got the book and the print. Nice. Yeah. That's great. Um, another question, Stephanie? Um, sure. Um, there's a lot of really good questions here, and a lot of them have been like kind of asked before. So there's a couple from the same person that are just really good questions. So I, we're trying to get to all of them, but I think this is a really interesting question for us. Um, so Mario, again, who I'm just not going to try and pronounce your last <laughs> name, starts with it. Mario S. on Facebook, <laughs> um, says, which publisher is the most ballsy at the moment, takes the biggest risks, and makes the most character changes? Uh, DC with their entire relaunch, Marvel, Marvel Now, maybe Image, something else? Um, I mean, I'll go first on this. You know, I think the easy answer is to say Image because they do a lot of interesting books and a lot of varying topics but if you're going to use the word risk you're going to have to go from risking something and image image doesn't have a set you know for lack of a better word image to what they put out you know their their company is based on creator own works shaping what comes out of them you know they they put out saga revival walking dead you know comeback uh you know fatal like there, there's no there's not a lot of there's no connection between these things except they're done by creators who are passionate about the work you know they are doing. Um, so it's tough for me to say Image only because of that. Like you know, Image is basically they pay for basically to publish those books, but there's not a, a lot of other risk happening around there. Um, you know, for me, the, the the company that took the biggest risk was DC. That's the company that took the biggest risk. You know, they took the biggest risk of alienating people, of their bet misfiring, going wrong. And ending up ruining their company, um, and they took the biggest risk, and they had a giant payoff. You know, they they rebounded up, very, you know, much farther and much closer to Marvel than they have been in a very long time. Uh, so, to me, DC is the is the is the place where the most risk is, is being like, taken. They also took set the precedent for like the next year with Marvel starting Marvel now. Like, I mean, it's very clear that it's based off of the launch that DC did absolutely yeah. yes absolutely and um, it's one of those things where dc challenged everyone to say listen we need to survive if mm. you want this to keep if you want comics to be a thing we need to change with the times mm -hmm. and i mean we all know that a lot of the dc books were flops as evident by their sales and their cancellations and such but some of them weren't mm -hmm. some of them are brilliant and some of them are wouldn't have been done if the higher ups hadn't said it's time for a change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, an Aquaman, the Aquaman book is selling 70,000 copies a, a month. That's not happening before, you know, no. this no, relaunch. No, they took the biggest risk. They didn't stick the landing entirely. No, everywhere. absolutely not. Uh, and we won't know what Marvels will deal with for another year. We, right. we, we It's easy to say now, well, look how much better it is. We don't yeah. know quite yet. No, we don't. DC definitely took the biggest risk. Yeah. It's not even close. Yeah, Mar even what Marvel's doing, Marvel is A, going off of what DC did, you know, and B, not nearly doing what, not wiping the slate anywhere near as clean as DC did. You know, there's no, there's no clean up. They're just, it's, just a, it's just renumbering their books, which they do every couple of years now anyway. Um, and not that they needed, to, I don't think they need to clean house as much as DC did. DC needed to do what they did, but they definitely sucked their necks out. Steve, what do you think? I would say DC. Yeah. Um, definitely, even before um, everybody said their piece, I mm. definitely think that DC was, uh, I think, ballsy 
was yeah, the word. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just think their their decision making process, all the things that that have been going on in the, in the comic book news in the past, you know, few weeks or few months, um, they've just made a lot of strange choices. Um, mm-hmm. How they conduct their business what they've done with their characters, how they've allowed some of their characters to fall from grace. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, and I also, as with Risk, they got a lot of cleanup to do, which is a shame because, you know, the DC New 52 was supposed to be the start of a new beginning, and unfortunately it it was, but it was very rocky and didn't I don't think it panned out. It wasn't the revival that they were hoping it to be. I mean, I, I think it was like I for I, a time. They they, st- they still like their sales are so far much farther up than what they were. You know, now now we we we're more a year and a half away, and these books have begun to stabilize. You know, they're, they're they they are not at the numbers they were when they launched. But Batman's still doing hundred and fifty thousand copies a, a, a month, and that is. Th- that's almost double what it was doing before the relaunch. Well, there, think, there, go ahead, Steph. I think part of the problem with the launch, though, was that while DC took a risk to revamp their entire brand, their series, um, the series that they put out, their fault wasn't with like what books they chose to put out. It was what creative teams they put on those books. Um, like Image, for me, isn't ballsy because they put out unique books they're ballsy because they take people that no one else has heard of and they make them big they make these people that we have never seen before into superstars and they go on to work for marvel and dc and they go on to carry on the legacy that these people have been care like that have been around for ages and dc's fault is not trusting enough in these young writers to kind of give a fresh voice to some of these uh, characters that need a fresh voice. Yeah. I mean, I guess so, but you're, they, you know, the, the writers they gave a lot of big books to were not necessarily giant household names. Like we, you know, we, we've talked about Scott Snyder at nauseum in the year and a half we've been doing this, but this relaunch is what made Scott Snyder the, the kind of star that he is. He was doing American vampire and he was obviously well-respected, but, you know, he's almost Jeff Johns at this point, you know? Definitely. I definitely agree with that. But at the same time, like, Vertigo is a lot big, a lot harder to get a book at than Image. Oh, absolutely. Yes. But Vertigo is also, like, you know, the, the thing about Image for me is just that because it's so creator-owned, most of the time, you know, these people are getting paid off of how much the book sells. You know what I mean? So it's not like Image is putting up a lot of money to a lot of these young writers, you know, they're giving them an avenue, which is great, and they do amazing stuff over there. I'm not trying to diminish what they do. It's just, you know, when DC puts somebody on, you know, Batgirl or Batman or whatever, they're putting up a lot of money to to make sure that book is out there, you know? I, I definitely agree. I just mean, not necessarily like Batman and stuff like that, but some of the other books, like just, I, I think they made some creative errors when they put together the teams i mean but that's any yeah absolutely yeah like that just happens yes when you're assigning people to a job you're gonna sometimes assign wrong yes i mean you think they pitch the pitch is great whatever and it just doesn't turn out sales or for whatever reason yeah that just happens yeah but i mean i think that they could have taken some they did take risks they did Mm. take some risks but there are some books i think like green lantern for instance that could have 
uh, really benefited from a full revamp. Yeah, I mean, that character definitely, that was one of the books that was harder to get into, but that book is fantastic. You know, that book, it's a great book. So what, what, how, when do you throw the baby out with the bathwater in that situation? You know, Green Lantern has been great. Green Lantern's great. The, so the mainline yeah. book is awesome. Yeah. So yes, would have been better for their whole message to relaunch that book. And I said that many times. Yes, it would have been better in that way. But I also think that it's a book that's great. So do you get rid of a book that's great just to keep on with this message? Mm-hmm. You know. But anyway, we can move on yeah. from this. Let's just do uh, uh, maybe one more question. Okay. Yeah. Actually, there, there's so. a good question okay. here to kind of end things off. Well, actually, um, before we do that, Bob has one question as right. well. So let's do Bob's question, and then we'll go to your the last question. Sorry, I, things are cutting out, so I didn't hear. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Oh. Sorry. No, no, no. I said Bob's gonna go real quick. He has a question to ask first, and then we'll go to you. Okay. 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 So Bob, go ahead. Since you have the perfect ending one, uh, it's from Ted Bell, and he would like to know what do you think is the most significant capital E event that either of the two companies have done in terms of these events. Big uh, events, like Civil War. Civil War. Civil I, I, don't, War. I didn't know what that meant. Blackest yeah. Night, Civil War, AVX, like these giant things that they do. You know, what do I think was the biggest mm. one? Most significant. Most significant. I tend to avoid them. <laughs> um, you got, you'd have to go with AVX. As, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> as far as significance, <laughs> as far as changing things, yeah. I mean... The thing is, like, are we talking about recently? We're we talking about ever. Yeah, you know, the... I think it's just ever. Oh well, then fuck no. <laughs> um, I think probably with the Blackest Night stuff. And Blackest Night, but what, we're not feeling the reverberation of that more. I mean, I think I, I, I mean, I, I think obviously, for me, would be you know, Crisis Infinite Earths is the thing that started this whole thing. You know. Um. Yeah. Yes and no. The problem is since. It's been now retconned and rebooted out of existence mm-hmm. four times. It was significant then, right? And and now doesn't mean anything now, to me. I have I like bringing props. <laughs> um, the initial event. It's back in the '60s when they brought in Earth Two, mm-hmm. and so it's the first two Justice Leagues, twenty one and twenty two, from back in nineteen sixty three, where you get to see there are two Flashes and two mm-hmm. Green Lanterns and whatever. And then every summer there'd be two of these. Mm-hmm. As the teams crossed over, so there was that was a different sort of event, and that kept going for twenty five years. Right. I mean, Crisis on Infinite Earths only brought up because it's like really the first mega event, and you know it's kind of changed. Uh, first one's actually Contest of Champions. It's okay. Marvel in eighty two, where they, they all go to some some MacGuffin device they need, and <laughs> aliens making them do stuff, and all gotcha. the heroes fight with each other. Right. And then they did before Crisis was Secret Wars. Oh, Secret Wars was before Crisis. Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah. All right. Okay. You know, and that did. That's where you saw Venom. That's where the symbiote yeah. came up. The thing stayed on the battle planet. A lot mm-hmm. of things did change. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. I got nothing. It's right. Not AVX. It's a, it's it a, is not AVX. It's a, <laughs> no. We well, I thought sure. I thought we were talking yeah. about recent, mm-hmm. but. Uh, no. No, that's a really big question. Yeah. That I, and also, in all fairness, I have not read enough big events mm-hmm. to really. I mean, one of the most memorable ones to me was was what Steph said. The Blackest Night yeah. was super, super, yeah. Deep, super good. Yeah. Deeply emotional, well written. Yeah, it's great. No, it's oh, amazing. It the, yeah. the the adrenaline rush mm-hmm. that that collection is mm-hmm. was just unreal. Yeah, I was I was glued to that book. Yeah, it's um, it's it's unbelievably good. Um, it's John's really kind of at his best in a, in a lot of ways. All right, so Stephanie, what's our perfect last question? Well. Since it's still January, and I know we've kind of talked about this a little bit with our end of the year show, but uh, 
one comic or series that you're most looking forward to in 2013. Okay. This from sorry, this is from uh, Rick Coldwater on Twitter. All right. I mean, that's easy for me. We talked about this a little bit. It's Trillium, the Jeff Lemire yeah. miniseries from Vertigo, is the book I'm most looking forward to this year. Hmm. I'm personally really looking forward to Scott Snyder's book and uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick's. The Wake and Pretty Deadly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Another big question. Yeah. Bobby, got something? Yeah, I'm in the midst of it. It's masks. All those pulp heroes put into one place, uh, Alex Ross covers, and so far, the first two issues have been absolutely great. Well, is there a series that hasn't come out yet that you're excited about? I, I'd go with Pretty Deadly. Mm-hmm. The whole idea of uh, Kelly Sue doing that uh, Western. Yeah. Fun. What? Um, I think it's called, uh, was it East of West? It's uh, Jonathan Hickman and uh, Dragada. They're doing, it's like the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse hmm. are... Coming, it's a futuristic four horsemen of the apocalypse are hunting down the president of the United States, something to that effect, I believe. Um, I'm super excited for that. Pretty Deadly is super high on my list. Um, and there was something else too, it's gonna kill me. Uh, I don't know, I'll tweet it or something. (laughs) And I'm excited, oh, you know, and I'm excited about the the Thanos miniseries, the Jason Aaron Thanos miniseries, which we we talked about a little bit last week. It is a Thanos thing. Um, Scott Snyder's Superman, or Man of Steel. Oh, yeah, Man of Steel. Um, Just to bring Mm -hmm. that character back from the depths, if anybody can do it, he can. Absolutely. And I'll finally be reading a Superman book. Really looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. We Uh, have, like, two pages of questions left, so, like, I want to personally apologize for not getting to everyone's questions. Well, what we'll do, I mean, and this is... We'll save them. Yeah, then there's kind of time, a lot of this every week, we just, you know, sometimes we don't get a ton of questions. Mm-hmm. What we'll do is we'll just pick, you know, three or four of them, and we got a couple emails too from a couple people that I, we, we, we didn't get to uh, every week, and we'll just go through them as we as yeah. we go along, you know, and, yes. we'll, and we'll definitely run through them. So don't worry, your questions will get read. Um, but thank you guys so much. The response was amazing. All right, so let's figure out what's on the shelves right now. Lots yeah. of good books. Um, Adventure Time with Fiona and Cake, number one. It Wait. says not verified by Diamond. Reprint. Oh, it's a reprint. Yes. Thank you very much. Clyde Barker's The Hellraiser, The Road Below, number four. Peanuts, volume two, number five. Steed and Mrs. Peel, number four. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> from Dark Horse, we have Answer, number one of four. Curious about that. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Spike, number five. Um, Buffy verse Sampler, one shot. Uh, Dark Horse Presents number 20 uh, Devazan hardcover it's actually a novel Uh, Mm. we have Massive number 8 Mine Management number 7 number 13 number 2 that's confusing wrap your head around that one Uh, DC Comics we have uh, Batwoman number 16 Before Watchmen Minutemen number 6 of 6 Birds of Prey number 16 uh, Blue Beetle number sixteen, which is the final issue. Uh, Catwoman number sixteen. Oh, DC Universe Presents number sixteen. Uh, Fables number one twenty-five. Uh, Green Lantern number sixteen. Green Lantern yeah. Core number sixteen. Yeah. Green Lantern New Guardians number sixteen. Yeah. Hellblazer number two ninety-nine. Uh, JSA The Liberty Files The Whistling Skull number two of six. Justice League number sixteen. Legion of Superheroes number sixteen. Nightwing number sixteen. Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 16. <laughs> Saucer Country, number 11. Superboy Annual, number 1. Supergirl, number 16. Sword of Sorcery, number 4. 
Wonder Woman number 16 and Young Justice number 24. See, barely any DC books. Um... So, oh, the writer of Sword and Sorcery is actually taking over Birds of Prey. Christy Marks is taking oh. over Birds of Prey. Uh, from Dynamite, we have Army of Darkness, number nine. We have Bionic Woman, number seven. Garth Ennis's Battlefields, number three. Jennifer Blood, First Blood, number three. Lone Ranger, number 12. <laughs> Lord of the Jungle, number 12. Masks, number three. Yeah. Uh, Prophecy, Rawr. number six. Spider, number eight. Um, and that is it from Dynamite. Uh, from IDW, we have uh, Borderlands Origins, number three. Cobra number twenty one, Godzilla number nine, Judge Dredd number three, uh, Mars Attacks Transformers one shot. <laughs> Whoa! Star Trek Countdown to Darkness number one, which is a tie in to the new movie. It's like a prequel to the new movie. Hmm. Um, Teenage Ninja Turtles Secret History of the Foot Clan number two. Um, from Image we have Bedlam number three. Yeah. Chew number thirty one. Uh, Hell Yeah, number six. Sorry, that's resolicited. Um, it Girl in the Atomics, number six. Sweet. Yeah. Prophet, number 33. Uh, Revival, number six. Uh, we have Witch Doctor Mal Practice, number three of six. <laughs> <clears throat> and Witchblade, number 163. Um, from Marvel Comics, we have A Plus X, number four. Astonishing X-Men, number 58. Yay. Avengers, number three. Yeah. Uh, Castle, A Calm Before the Storm, number two of five. Deadpool, number four. Deadpool, Killustrated, number one of four. <laughs> FF, number three. Yes. Uh, Gambit, number eight. Uh, oh. Yeah. Marvel Universe, Ultimate Spider-Man, number 10. Sorry, yeah. that's the animated series oh. thing. That's not the actual uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Not the Miles Morales? No, it's not the Miles Morales. Uh, Punisher Nightmare, number four of five. Uh, Ultimate Comics, The Ultimates, number 20. Um, Uncanny Avengers, number three. Wow. Uncanny X-Force, number one. Winter Soldier, number 14. Wolverine, the X-Men, number 24. Young Avengers, number one. I think that Winter Soldier is the last Brubaker. It is the last Brubaker. Yes, it is. Uh, Oni Press, we have Stumptown, volume two, number five. Um, From Valiant, we have Harbinger, number eight. And Exo Man of War, number nine. And from uh, Zenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales Presents Wonderland, number seven. Hmm. All right. So that is all the releases uh, for this week. Uh, thank you guys for listening to Talking Comics. Obviously, our Twitter is at Talking Comics. The email address is info at TalkingComicBooks.com. And the website is TalkingComicBooks.com, where you can find reviews, articles, columns, a uh, ton of content up there for you guys to look at. Uh, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve's is... Mine is... Uh, F. Whoa. <laughs> I'm so hungry. It's at dead underscore anchorus. Uh, Stephanie? I'm Hello Cookie. Bob? And Bob Royer at talkingcomicbooks.com. So um, if you guys want to get in touch with us, that's how to do it. Um, again, you know, we have a lot of listener questions in the backlog, but that doesn't mean we don't want you guys to send in more. You know, we'd like to be reading them out every week. So, you know, send in your, your questions on Twitter at the Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash talking comics or to the email address info at talkingcomicbooks.com. And also if you guys, you know, want to be involved in a more kind of focused conversation, you know, if we put reviews up on the site, comment on those reviews and we'll be able to kind of talk to you about exactly what's Mm -hmm. going on, you know, in those books and stuff that you're more interested in. And if you keep sending us questions too, and we can't answer them all on there, it might force us to start a column where we just, you know, send our answers question around answer them and post them on the site absolutely Mm, you can also answer your those questions too and you know it helps us build a community and get you guys involved with the show as well which is 
obviously something that's really important to all of us. Absolutely. Um, and don't forget, on uh, on Friday, we have an interview with uh, Tom Zoller, who is uh, the creator of Love and Capes. Yes. He, he also has a, a My Little Pony uh, book coming out in February. Um, and on Monday, we have a conversation with uh, Curtis Weeb, you know, writer of uh, Green Wake and Peter Panzerfaust, um, Debris, uh, Grim Leaper. Uh, it's a great interview, and uh, we can't wait for you guys to hear it. So uh, that is it for Talking Comics. For Steve. See you later. Bob. Avita Zane. And Stephanie. Sayonara. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. <laughs>